0: This is Bill Duke from Mandy and Predator, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Station of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by antonio pintoja of one must fall and it's very cool to have him here it's been in the works for a while and i'm glad that you're here
1: man thank you so much for having me this is one of my favorite podcasts ever so like i'm super pumped to be on man awesome now i've got like added pressure i don't want to let you down no you couldn't do anything to <laughs> let me
0: down <laughs> right. no way but yeah Uh, All right. Very cool. It's awesome to have you here. So first of all, one must fall. This is like your baby. You wrote it, you directed it, your first feature. So, So where did the, where did the idea come from and when did it first start? Just the idea itself.
1: Um, so that's a great question. So, um, I I had a lot of trouble coming up with an idea or a concept of shoot my first feature, but I didn't want to move forward with anything until I felt like the idea was right. And it was definitely doable for like a low budget, you know? So, um, so first I walked through a a place called paint factory in Louisville. It's like this old abandoned warehouse. It's like 80,000 square feet. Um, and it just, it's very spooky as is. So I kind of walked through there with Vince Emmett, who's an amazing composer, the lady named Lindsay Mormon, who ended up working on the movie as art direction. And, uh, and I walked through the whole place and I just started taking notes on things that I thought were creepy that I could add into elements of the film that were already existing. So after I had all that, um, huge fan of 80 slashers, uh, not because nostalgia is popular, uh, but because I felt like without technology, um, that made slashers awesome you know they didn't have cell phones to yeah. get away or gps and things like that so i knew i wanted to do something in that in that same vein i walked through this warehouse and uh, and i was like well how can i do this like on a, a low-ish budget and you know the wardrobes itself is going to be crazy expensive and i was like well what if they all wore the same thing and like what kind of people all wear the same thing hazmat suits crime scene cleanup crews, you know, and then one thing led to another. And I was, uh, I was thinking, you know, that's a real job that exists. And what if a killer was on the loose in this place and it's 80,000 square feet and he wasn't apprehended. And the crime scene cleanup crew came to clean up his mess. Uh, could, could they survive the night if this guy was running loose in here and he was apprehended and they were, you know, there was nobody watching over them, you know, for security. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, that, that definitely could happen. So one thing led to another and my wife took the kids, uh, to florida for me (laughs) because i tried everything (laughs) to like shut my uh my work brain off and get my creative brain working so and nothing was working i went to like uh one of those weightless float centers and floated in salt water and i I did everything man and nothing was working so i just realized that like i had to have like the house to myself with no kids and then i could actually like get to work and be creative and then it worked so my wife gave me a week to to write the, the script. And, and I did, I wrote it in a week and refined it over like a year, but yeah, man, that's, that's how it all happened. And that's how it was birthed.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. That kind of like the, um, the setting of it inspired, you know, what kind of story it would be. And it's also smart, I think, cause I always hear people, uh, give advice for your first movie or, or your short or whatever it is. You should always use, you know, what you have available.
1: I agree. And I think necessity like inspires creativity, you know, like if I had a bunch of money and I was like, I could do anything in the world. I probably would have sat there that whole week and like, looked at like the cursor on the, the page just blinking, you know, like I probably wouldn't have come up with as much if I felt like I could do anything I want in the whole world. I probably would have started writing a bunch of stuff and never finished it. But, um, but yeah, I think that when you have limited resources, it, um, it makes you a lot more creative. A friend of mine, Sabrina Scott, just said that last week we did like a little interview and um and she said that you know like we did the forty eight hour film project together, which is very tough. And uh, we did that together and she said you know it, 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 it provokes uh, it, it enables you to be um, ingenuity. It enables an ingenuity if you have no money to do anything. And I think that's one hundred percent true. And that was the case with this film. Uh, not that the budget was like super low, It was definitely under, you know, $10 million, but, uh, but we got it done. Yeah. Even uh, when
0: I interviewed Tom Savini, he said a similar thing. He said not only the, the most fun, but, uh, the most creative for him was, uh, you know, before they really knew how to do specific things and like just coming up with ideas on the fly of how to make something work with, you know, not necessarily a lot of money.
1: Oh, it's amazing. He's behind some of my favorite special effects of all time. Uh, You know, with Maniac and Friday the Thirteenth, and I mean, just every. I mean, there's a million different things that he's done that I'm a huge fan of.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned you and the composer, Wachter. Did uh, maybe it'd be a question for him? But do you know if he started thinking of some like music just for uh, looking at the uh, at the place you were at?
1: What's funny is that composer Vince Emmett he does like really high end movies so like he wasn't doing my movie I just met him that day and, oh, okay. uh, like he was actually looking for a space. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That was misleading. He was looking oh, for sorry. a space, um, in the paint factory because they were going to rent out like office spaces to people. Um, mm-hmm. they were going to try to like make it into office spaces. Cause it's real like urban decayed, kind of cool looking. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, we don't really get a lot of that in Kentucky. So it looked like a New York kind of place. So, uh, so he was looking at a bunch of places in there, you know, that he could potentially rent so that he could do the same thing that I did, like shut his brain off. He's from LA shut his brain off, get away from his kids, and start mm-hmm. writing and composing and stuff. And uh, we ended up hitting it off really, really well, and I actually spoke to Vince today. Uh, he's just a really, really nice guy, but he does some, like, really big budget movies. Um, you know, he's just, a, he's mm-hmm. a huge inspiration.
0: Yeah.
1: I cell phone.
0: Because I, I always say, this, I think cell phone movies, cause often like, oh, if they have a phone, this would be the end of the movie. And then, usually, if they come up, get rid of the Sometimes it works and that's great, but often it's like, oh well, that you know, obviously they're just getting rid of the cell phone so they don't ruin the movie. So uh, uh, movies were m- much easier, I think, uh, to pull off before the invention of the cell phone.
1: I think so. Like it's you know, it's it's great that um, you know we have the ability not to be stalked by a psycho killer on the loose and killed <laughs> right. because we can just right. call the police right. from anywhere. But but you know, like it oh. kind of ruined you know for horror fans. Um, that's what we love. You know, we love like I, I think that if you know the campers. And, uh, and Friday the 13th had cell phones. They probably wouldn't be in any trouble. <laughs> you know?
0: right. yeah. 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 So, uh, how about, how did Lloyd Kaufman, uh, get involved with his, uh, his, uh, cameo in the
1: movie? So, uh, Lloyd has been, you know, and he's been my idol since I've been a little kid and I'm a huge fan of trauma, um, movies and, you know, um, and I think it takes a very specific type, but I was that type. So like when I was little, I was sort of raised by the television, And I saw Toxic Avenger really early, and then Toxic Crusaders, the cartoon came out, and it's basically Uh just about like a guy who's ignored, and he's not super cool, he's a nerd, and uh, and he becomes a superhero, and and that was me, you know, and I think a lot of kids uh, at that time saw themselves in that, and I was always a huge fan of Lloyd because of that, and uh, and I reached out to him uh, a few years ago, and he um, he was kind enough to call me, and I couldn't believe that he called me, and you know, I told him I'm on this mission to make a movie and stuff, and he told me, um, I was so scared, you know, I'm like, this is my first movie. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm just terrified to do it. And he's like, you're acting like it's this big dragon you got to slay. And I'm like, well, it is, you know, and he's like, it's just your first feature. And I said, uh, yeah, I know it's that's, that's why I'm so scared. And he goes, no, 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 no. It's not your last feature. It's just your first. You're going to make another one after this. You can't let that first one define you. And then he said, I'll tell you what, you do that movie. I'm going to come and be in it. And, uh, you know, then I had to, you know, Cause uh, he's like yeah. he's my hero. So, and he did, he kept his word and he came and he brought Pat, his wife, who was the commissioner of a uh, New York film commission yeah. for many, yeah. many years. And, uh, and I was just, uh, it was a huge, huge honor, man, because I've just looked up to him so much and he's seen the movie and he liked the movie and stuff. And I'm like, this is crazy because this guy's my hero. <laughs> so, but uh, I think yeah. he added so much to the film, you know, because, uh, it, he comes at, at a point, there's a, there's like a threshold in film where the first act is all comedy and then as soon as you see Lloyd Thompson on screen, um, then it kind of turns very serious. The, the film turns very mm-hmm. serious into that. So having him be that threshold is, is really, really cool. And he's such a, a huge inspiration to me that um, that meant the world for him to, to do that. And and he, he's the truth. He's the guy. He's the real deal. He's genuine. And mm-hmm. I've read all his books, seen all his videos, seen tons of trauma movies. But he, he yeah. is what he says he is.
0: Yeah. That's really cool of him, too. He does seem inspirational to a to a lot of uh, independent filmmakers like yourself. You grew up watching his stuff. I grew up watching his stuff too. And, uh, but yet he's uh, always there for people. Like if they were for cameo or just even calling you up out of the blue, that's pretty, you know, actually content. That's pretty awesome. You know, I wouldn't think a lot of people would do that.
1: No, and he's, he's mentored me. So for the better part of three years now, um, indirectly you know he does he's done a lot yeah, for me definitely. you know just by his book and stuff but he's actually called me specifically and directly and texted me and just given me opportunities that i would never have i, I got to teach one of his um make your own damn movie master classes and like i mean I, I can't even describe like how big huge of an honor that that is you know and um we even discussed going on the road together and like that's i can't believe that 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 was my reality yeah. i can't believe that my, this is my reality that i'm on your show <laughs> right now that i'm such a huge fan of you know, that David Hasselhoff just uh, rescheduled <laughs> for, like, I'm, this, this is crazy, you yeah.
0: know? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll give you the, I'll send you the check after the uh, Yeah, show.
1: Yeah, right. No, no, no. But, dude, even, like, watching <laughs> your weight loss journey, man, has inspired me to do well, that myself. You. So, dude, yeah, man. I mean, like, you've lost, like, I mean, an enormous amount of weight over, like, yeah. the last, I think it was, well, like, not- seven months or something.
0: Yeah, uh, really, about five months. So November twenty seventh when I started. So uh, yeah, almost ninety pounds. I'm very, God, I'm very happy insane. about it. I'm my doctor. It's so
1: cool to watch R2. that. Yeah, dude.
0: Yeah, so I, pre- I appreciate that. So um, you said uh, about you know maybe going on the road with Floyd. That that sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, we talked about a few dates, um, and that was back in uh, December, January. But he was going overseas at the time. And I, I had, like, I was already booked here to shoot. And, like, I always sign contracts for anything that I have to shoot. So that's what I do for a living is I just I just shoot and edit, you know. Like, I'm an auteur, so I do, like, commercials and music videos. And I still shoot weddings and stuff because um, they they – I, I love it. I love doing that. And like, they, they pay great money and stuff still. And, um, mm-hmm. so I do that. And then like, I'm, I'll be under a contract like two years in advance, a lot of times, sometimes three years in advance. So I have to make plans like really early for anything that I do. And, um, he went to the UK and then he went to France and, uh, I actually considered going to France with him, but then again, I didn't speak French and you know, like he's going right. to be <laughs> teaching that make your own damn movie masterclass. And he was showing return to mm-hmm. Duke of high volume two. And like, I just didn't speak the language and I thought it would be unfair and I'd be more of a burden than helping him. So I just didn't go, but uh, but I think I'm going to hit the road with him this year still, uh, which like I said, would be just in, in an enormous honor.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So you mentioned the turn and the tone in the movie, which I always kind of like that at movies, but it's also hard to pull off because sometimes it can kind of ruin a movie if like the tone's off. Uh, but then like it, it if it works, I think it really adds to movies. So what was the thought process to have? Like like you said, it's kind of comedic, and then it does become more of a serious horror movie.
1: Yeah, so the thought process was, um, you know, like with, with movies like ours, um, it's tough for people to give it a chance, you know, because we don't have like a big bankable star in it and stuff like that. Like with action, um, if Jason Statham is in a film, then people are going to go and watch it. They don't care what the movie's about whatsoever ever they don't really really could care less about the concept or comedy if will ferrell or kevin hart's in it they're gonna see it doesn't matter what the the concept is but with horror we're lucky because people will give it a chance regardless of who's in it but they'll they'll let they'll watch it based on the strength of the concept and i think that's that's really special so with horror though um i find myself pretty bored in the first act of a lot of uh american-made horror films and uh not to say there's all, all bad ones out there, but a lot of them, the first acts for me is usually a sleeper because they're building the characters and stuff and I'm not entertained whatsoever. So sometimes it'll take 50 minutes before anything, you know, actually happens in the film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I hate that man. So, so basically I wanted to uh, approach it in such a way that the audience is at least entertained for the first act and that we can build the characters through comedy in the first act. And then that way, since, you know, it's a, it's a lowish budget film that when, the horror happens, then in contrast to the comedy, it looks a lot scarier when, you know, it's like putting a, a, a black paper on a big white table. Mm-hmm. That kind of contrast, I think, um, makes the horror even scarier. And, and you know, we didn't skimp yeah. on horror or um, gore or anything like that. In fact, it's, sure. it's a very gruesome film. Yeah. And Vincent Guastini did the special yeah. effects and he's a legend in this industry. So I was very lucky. I don't even deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence as him. So very lucky to have had him aboard. <laughs>
0: uh, so how did you go about getting like people involved? Uh, who did, you know, when, when you're casting the movie, who, who do you, you know, how do you find them and people like that
1: doing the special effects, how, how do you get them involved? So everything is, um, honestly, it's because I, I, everything that I've ever gotten every opportunity to meet somebody or anything of that nature was, just because I treated someone with respect where I was nice to someone. So like, uh, Lindsay Mormon connected me with, uh, with Vincent Glossini and she's, she's just, she's a genius. She's an artistic genius, but she was art director in the film. And, um, and she had worked on some big films. So I had a special effects guy who had backed out on me like a week and a half before principal photography. And dude, when that happened, I freaking almost cried because he's been supposed to be working on this stuff for ten months, you know, special practical effects and body parts and just everything that we discussed. And uh, and I had so many people who dropped out on me already that I was just treading really lightly. I didn't want to ask him for too much or ask him for too many progress photos. And when finally the day that he said he was dropping out, man, I was I didn't know what to do. So uh, so Lindsay Mormon contacted Vincent Guastini, who was like, you know. Like I said, I don't even deserve to be mentioned in the same sense. He's done, like, I Am Legend and Last of the Mohicans and uh, oh, Taking of wow. Deborah Logan, like that iconic scene at the end of the, the snake thing. Like, he did a, a bunch of big ones. Uh, so she contacted him, and he was super cool, and he jumped the board and uh And like I said, it all came from just treating someone with respect and being kind to them. And then as far as the casting process, we did a lot of online – so we did all online casting, actually – and um, we, we got, like, a few local people in some major roles, and that, uh, but we didn't specifically just search local. We searched, like, New York, L.A., Atlanta, and we had a ton. I mean, like, there was, you know, we had, uh, it was over 1,000 video auditions for just a few roles. And uh, mm-hmm. me and uh, my really close friend, John Wells, who's also in the film, we went through every single one. And it was my first time casting, so, like, I did, like, seven-minute monologues <laughs> for every single one. And, like, yeah, they were all really long, but we watched them all front to back, and there were some really, really, really good people that I'm definitely going to work with in the future. But, um, but we picked the best for those specific roles. And uh, not that they were better than everyone else, because there were some people who were very gifted and really amazing and who've been in stuff that I'll never be able to, uh, like, do uh, stuff that they've done before. But um but we just picked the right people for the roles. But uh but yeah, man, it was it was a really, really tough and long process and I love like all of it. I love I love the hard work, man. It was great.
0: Yeah. So what were you looking for specifically for your killer? Like uh did
1: you know beforehand like what kind of person you wanted to cast? You know what's funny, man, is um when I was in the writing process and I got to about page fifty. So you see the killer doing these like these heinous acts of violence um, throughout the film in, in the, the first you know the first two acts even but when he's finally introduced and I had to put that on paper like what he looks like um, I had struggled with it I was like I didn't know if I wanted it to be a mutant and I didn't know if I wanted him to not say anything I didn't know what, how I wanted it like a masked killer I didn't know but then I started thinking of like an origin story of uh, why serial killers do these you know heinous acts and uh, and then I started researching so I, I immediately like turn the computer or shut all the, you know, the final draft off. And then I went and I spent like probably like 50 hours researching interviews of like anything that, that was available on video of serial killers, you know, giving testimony and talking about their process. And I felt like a sick person, man. And I, and I realized that none of them had the only common denominator was that none of them had an actual motive. So there was no motivation from any of them. So it kind of informed um, the way that I wrote the killer. It's just more like a, a person who was like had a god complex and he was uh, just like on a power trip, which is what I got from these people. Um, none of them like really sincerely hated humanity or anything of that nature. It was just kind of always in them, and uh, so I, that's the way that I wrote, you know, an American serial killer. Uh, and then when I I it for that. Um, I didn't expect like so many people to send me auditions back with accents, you know, because I didn't write them with an accent. And then mm-hmm. I got one from a, a guy who had done a bunch of really big stuff and amazing television shows, Barry Piacente. And it blew me away, man. And I, uh, and I knew right then and there, we even got stuff from like people who are bit in big movies, like, you know, Ant-Man and like Bone Tomahawk and stuff like that. Better Call Saul. Uh-huh. And like, it was really crazy, man. And, um, and I won't mention their names or anything because they were amazing, sure. but uh, but yeah, man, like it, it, they they all blew me away. But this one specifically, when I saw him, I knew that it was him for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, what were what are some of your favorite slashers? Oh my god, I have so many, man. Um, I really so from the eighties, man. Like that's I think that's such a defining um, a defining era and for the genre. I mean, late seventies also, but of course, you know, like Halloween and. And uh, all those like uh, Black Christmas and stuff, but um, but I think in the '80s, man, like Evil Dead, and I don't even know if I'd consider Evil Dead a slasher, but but Evil Dead has to be up there because of the gore and the Nightmare on Elm Street sure. and all the Friday the Thirteenth. The whole saga is completely amazing, but I mean that whole era has so many good movies in it that it's just tough to say, you know. Um, but more recently, I think that like the French ones are definitely my favorite ones. And I know that's like a, a cardinal sin for me to say that about the 80s genre that I like the French, the new ones better, but I really love like High Tension and Martyrs and uh Inside, I think the Inside mm-hmm. kind of like redefined um Home Invasion, and that's a French film. And it was just, it was on another level. And then there's a movie called I Saw the Devil. It's a Korean film, and uh mm-hmm. it just completely blew me away. And it's not a traditional slasher. It's it's more like... um I don't even know what you would call it, but uh, it's 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 a revenge flick almost, but but it definitely has slasher elements, and I and I think that even my film, I'm not sure if it's it's a traditional slasher either in that sense, but um but it definitely yeah, takes inspiration from like um you know all of those other films like Alexander Aja, he's he's been doing some really really amazing stuff like with uh not only High Tension but the Maniac remake, and then he did a remake for The Hills Have Eyes, and uh, and it was like it was. Insane insanely good and you know just that kind of stuff so yeah. i think it's like a combination of um of all of those things and like all of your life experiences and stuff like that you know when you're writing these scripts um mm-hmm. you're kind of every character uh and like when you're when it comes to, like the killer you know you can almost kind of identify with that person um mm. because the person's so despicable that like you don't want to spend time with them like as a human but you want to spend time with them on screen. So <laughs> it's really weird. It's like Freddy Krueger. Uh, like no uh, one wants to hang out with Freddy Krueger, but everybody wants to spend time with them on screen.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the Maniac remake, because uh, when they when I first heard about it, I was against it, because I love uh, the original Maniac. But then I saw yeah. it, and I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite remakes, because uh, they did, uh, it's different. It's technically because of the same story as the first one, but uh, they made yeah. it different to fit uh, Elijah Wood. Cause I don't think yeah. the original maniac would have worked with Elijah Wood or vice yeah, versa. I think so, so too. Was, uh...
1: Because Elijah Wood doesn't look like the stereotypical maniac serial killer right. guy. And I think that's, that's, and none of them really do, you know, like, so I think Elijah Wood actually is like the stereotype because none of them, like Ted Bundy was like this really great looking <laughs> guy, you know? And, yeah. um, and I think that that was such a high risk movie because they all did it from a first person point of view perspective. Mm-hmm. And man, that I mean, that's very difficult, man. And it was uh, Frank Calhoun who did that movie. He directed it, but Alexander Aja had written it. Uh and man, they, that was high risk, but but dude the the score was like my favorite score in any movie ever, I think. And like it was it took a lot of chances and I think that it was like it was it's it's probably my favorite remake of all time, man.
0: Yeah, I love it. And there's a great great scene that recreates the uh the iconic poster of maniac when he sees his reflection where you see his reflection in the car and he's holding the head. Oh. And I was like, Oh hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, oh, that's probably so my good, favorite man. poster, the original maniac. Cause it's so, it's so sleazy and <laughs>
1: I don't know there's it something about it. It's pretty awesome. I know, but, man. But like, it's so funny. Cool. Go on, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you, man. I have, I got two yeah. of them that are uh, really amazing. So Christopher shy. Um, he is, I I don't even have any business ever like working with him or speaking to him, but the guy is like, he is so talented. So he did like the oil paint poster and uh, he did Mandy's poster. And I know Bill Duke was just on man. And that episode was amazing yeah, by the way. Yeah. But oh, uh, God, I, so I've, I've been talking about that Bill Duke episode because he shares so many like nuggets of predator and like Jean-Claude Van Damme playing the original predator and they fired him and all this. It's like crazy yeah. stuff. But that, that episode was so cool. But um yeah, Christopher Shai did the poster and he did Mandy's poster and Godzilla and he's done like a poster for it and like just a bunch of crazy big movies and um like I said I have no business even speaking to the guy but he was so kind and he watched the movie a bunch of times and he gave me a bunch of advice and uh, we're gonna be working on the next one together which will be really cool but um he was great and then I I got Nathan Thomas Milliner who's like a uh, icon in the horror industry to do uh, a poster, and he did like Sleep Camp and Halloween and Halloween 2 and Halloween 3, and like uh, a bunch of them, a bunch of like Dawn of the Dead, a bunch of amazing posters. And like I said, I have no business working with these people, and just very thankful that they would even like give me the opportunity to. I mean, like, this is crazy. I can't even believe that I, I bet, like, that's past tense, you know, that this isn't something that I'm dreaming of, you know, that that's actually already happened. It just, I can't believe that's my reality.
0: <laughs> now, I got um, to mention this because um, the headless critic of Without Your Head, my friend Jason Mitten, he's based out of Kentucky. And he said he's been to uh, two places that one must fall at cater Max uh, Doe House and the Rec Bar.
2: He oh, says yeah, two, that's right. Uh, yes.
0: best... <laughs> he said they're two of the best in Louisville, but wants to know some other places around the area in Louisville or Kentucky or Indiana that you would recommend.
1: Oh, man, there's so many. So I think that um, Louisville has uh, the most restaurants per capita of any place in the country is what I'm told. So we have like, Mm. I think it's something like 1,700 restaurants. Maybe that number could be fabricated. Uh, A friend of mine works for like the Food and Dining magazine, and she said it's like it's it's an astronomical number, Jessica Mathis. But um, who also just got her screenplay into the Sundance Institution. So congratulations, Jessica yeah, super cool. But um, but as far as restaurants, man, oh, my God, there's so many. If you like tacos, uh, there is uh, – Taco Luchador is freaking crazy. Uh, a, a good friend of mine named Charlie Neal just opened up a taco place that apparently is better than Taco Luchador. So I'll have to send you that uh, over email. Uh, I think it's called the Kentucky Taco Company, I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, let's see, Barstown Road, back here, it's like a, a block from my house there's like literally like a thousand restaurants on it. (laughs) That's so like, the there's so many good ones. It's, it's tough to say, man. Um, Ramsey's is really, really good. The Bristol is awesome, but I think that might even be a franchise, man. Louisville has really great restaurants, man. Um, guacamole, mojitos, Havana rumba for Cuban. Um, I have people who like come here, you know, to visit and, uh, and you know, it's just Kentucky, you know, like we're just, we're just hillbillies, man. And uh, they, they come from all over, like, all over the world. Like, we have people from Italy here and a lot of people from California, and they're always like, man, your food game is great here. Like, the sushi, the Cuban, like, anything, man, they always, they rave about the food here, man. It's true. We're, we're very spoiled here uh, in Louisville with, with the food. mm mm-hmm. So I was in
0: Kentucky like, a couple years ago. For uh, we went on the Bourbon Trail, uh, Jason and yeah. I, and I did have very good food. And he was like, "You got to try." There were certain things I had to try, and one was like, I forget. The, it was like the Brown Mess or something, and uh, Hot Brown,
1: uh, Hot Brown, there we Hot go. Brown. And it did look yeah. <laughs> like a mess, but
0: but it was but it was very good. Yeah,
1: I had only just had that like uh, recently, but it's it's made by uh, famous by the Brown Hotel um here like a bunch of like famous people used to stay at this hotel and i think they like ran out of ingredients or something and like the chef just made that hot brown and like it went down in history like for the like all of the derbies and stuff like that that famous people came to they always wanted to eat um at the, the they wanted to eat at the brown for the hot brown so that's where that thing came from but i just had it recently for like like six months ago and i was like hey eh, overrated <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, I probably wouldn't get it again, but, you know, I, uh, I was—I yeah. uh, don't know if I'd be back to Kentucky. I probably will at some point, but I was like, I got—I have to try something called the Hot Brown. I mean, oh, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> the Bourbon Trail, though,
1: was awesome, huh? How'd you like that? Yeah, I had a great time. I
0: had a great time. Uh, so you get, like, the passport. And Jason actually got me a leather-bound passport with my name engraved on it. And then so you get it stamped each one you go to. And then uh, when you went to, I think it was 12... Then you got a uh, T-shirt that said like you know that said the year and the, I completed the Bourbon Trail and but yeah it was, it was pretty awesome, it was pretty awesome.
1: I'm a fan of bourbon. Oh, dude, that so is time. Me too, man. I'm a massive. That's all I drink anymore, man. Um, I love Evan Williams honey, and I don't know if you've had this before, Absolutely. but it is off the charts, man. It's it's a it's a very sweet bourbon, and man, it's uh it's it's cheap. It's like you can get it. I think you get it here for like eleven bucks. I don't know how much it is yeah. everywhere else. But dude, highly recommend it. I don't know if you are doing like a no sugar diet right now, so you couldn't do it on that diet. So I can't do it on mine. Yeah, I am
0: trying not to drink too me.
1: much. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we actually same. had
0: one. I don't think it was Evan Williams, but it was it was a honey and I don't think ghost pepper It was a honey and some kind of hot pepper. Uh, yeah, I forget where it was from, but it was awesome too because it had the sweetness from the honey and then just a the kick of the heat, and it was a, it was a really good combination. You could you could just drink it straight.
1: Oh, I love it, man. Dude, I love bourbon. So I just did like the first bourbon tour I've ever done. My friends from Italy came for the world premiere of the movie. And we went, we did like a bourbon tour at Evan Williams. Dude, it was awesome, man. Like, it's crazy. Like what goes into making that stuff and like how much yeah. flavor comes from the wood. It's beautiful. Like to hear it and see it in like uh, all of the different types. And some of the bottles are like, dude, like $2,000 and stuff that they were like, let <laughs> us try. It was
0: crazy. It was really cool. Yeah, is that? Is that, I think that was the other, uh, Williams one where they, they bring you down to the old speakeasy. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that uh, was it, man. Yeah. That's, that's what we went to. Yeah. And then you had, you, they give you a little, not, not quite, but, and it was like, it was like, a I don't know, 50 year old bourbon or something. That was the one that was like really pricey, but it was yeah. awesome to have just a yeah. little taste of it.
1: Dude, <laughs> what's the funny, car, man, is like, I realized, oh, sorry about that. I, I realized right then and there that, like, um, just like a, a shot of bourbon makes me feel like 1000 times better. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: huh. So how about Kentucky itself for, for movie makers? Cause I know like the, the volumes of blood guys, you know, they make stuff there. Are there a lot of, uh, independent horror
1: movie makers in the area? Yeah, dude, do very talented guys. So, you know, the volumes of blood guys, PJ Starks and those guys, yeah, and yeah. just super talented, like super ambitious, super talented. There's, Cam Daniels is working on a bunch of really cool stuff around here. He puts on the big like fandom fest, which is a, a massive festival. He also does the Fright Night Film Festival. And then the Thoughtfly guys are doing some really, really cool stuff, and they helped me dramatically on my movie too. But um, Brian Cunningham just put out a film called Wretch, and I believe that Jason also checked out Wretch. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but the movie is freaking awesome, man. Honestly, like if it would have came out before Blair Witch, like, no one would ever talk about Blair They'd only talk about Wretch. And uh, just from a timing perspective, but, dude, Wretch is so good, man. And he just put that out. And, like, you know, it's it's crazy because we're all, like, we're all putting stuff out. And they're working on Volumes of Blood 3. So, man, honestly, dude, there's a lot of really good filmmakers here. And you would never think that, you know. Um, but, but I'm on the film commission here. So I get to see, like, the movies that come in and what they do here and, you know, the spend and stuff like that. And what it does from an economic perspective here. And Kentucky's mm-hmm. doing really, really good, man. Like, you'd be surprised. But um, but we've had a lot of films in production. Not a ton of local films, but we're definitely doing some. And I know that a bunch of others are coming here, too. Like, other local filmmakers are doing features as well. And most of them are in the horror genre. Um, Yeah, mm-hmm. dude, horror is huge here, man. Uh, we, we love horror. So, uh, I think Kentucky's, Kentucky is a uh, very supportive man of the arts. And uh, it, it's really beautiful because I'm part of, like, I'm a member of, like, a thousand groups on Facebook where... It's like a, you know, coalition of Los Angeles filmmakers or something like that. And I started one here about 10 years ago for, uh, for Kentucky. It's called a Louisville film collective. And at first I just had like 20 members, you know, like just 20 filmmakers that I knew personally that I was like, Hey guys, um, here's a list of my gear. If you need to borrow anything, you're more than welcome to. And and people started coming into the group and I was like, yo man, if y'all need, I'm booked on this day for, for work. But, um, if you guys need this job, I'm going to pump it back through the pipeline, you know, and, and then more and more, you know, started coming, and it created this culture where we all start helping each other. And now we have like 800 members in the group, and I just kind of like shut off, like the um, the, you can't request to be in the group anymore because I'm like, dude, this is too big, you know. <laughs> now,
2: uh-huh.
1: so um, so it's doing really, really well, man. We're we're, we're really close knit, and we help each other a lot. And I haven't seen that level of support um anywhere else, and I've searched far and wide, man. But um, but I haven't seen it like it is here and it's really secret. Yeah. Like it's like no one from the, who's not from the area, like isn't in the group, but I want to put you in the group so you can see, but, uh, but it's super uh, cool, right. man. And I, I think it just created this culture where like people just share and they help each other. And you post about like a location that's needed. Somebody's going to help you. You post about yeah. gear that's needed in a pinch. Somebody's going to help. If you got work that you're going to put out there, somebody's going to take it, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's really, really cool, man. Yeah.
0: I'd love to see that kind of thing. Cause just, you know, over the last few years, I've been uh, uh, going more to, like, local film fest in Boston and meeting, like, a lot of the local filmmakers, <clears throat> and I love to see the community element of people, like, helping each other out. Almost everybody I know, like, uh, you know, they might make their own movies, but then they'll be, like, a camera, you know, crew on this other guy's movie or might act in this other person's movie, and, and uh, when I was at uh, Boston Underground Film Festival a couple weeks ago, like, like everyone was really happy that like a couple people were doing really good and had like a move a big movie coming out and it's just uh, it's really nice to see and it's nice to see everyone helping each other.
1: Oh man, I think so too, dude. I I really regret not entering Boston Underground. Um, uh, because dude, like, uh, so basically I was gonna enter late. And like one month fall wasn't finished until like, uh, not long ago, really. And like the copy that I sent to Jason Minton like, wasn't even like close to, to finish. And it was cool. He was cool enough to like, still like overlook things that weren't done. Now it's like pretty much done. But, um, but yeah, dude, like I, I sent that over and, and I didn't uh, submit to them cause it wasn't like near completion yet. And I just regret it, man, because that's a great festival.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really good time. I just started doing festivals last year and, uh, uh, um, you know, I did a bunch of them and I'm going to do a bunch this year cause it's just a great experience. Uh, you know, all around, like it's cool cause you can meet all the people who make the movies and they're all, you know, super cool to hang out with, you know, after the movie and, uh, yeah, it, and just, it's cool to see the movies before, like a lot of movies I saw last year now, you know, they're popping up on shutter and I was like, Oh, I saw that, you know, like a year ago. So it's, uh, it's just yeah. a really good experience.
1: Oh, same. I've seen some crazy good movies on the festival circuit and, like, met some... I think the, the really cool part about it, man, is, like, meeting the people. So, like, the relationships yeah. that you build, like, in those festivals... And I've only done a few of them now, but, but, like, it's... The awards and, like, the audiences aren't even as important as the relationships. Like, the crowds and stuff are cool to mm. come to watch your film and everything. It's awesome because you get, like, instant feedback and stuff. But, like, meeting the people and developing the relationships, I could tell you now that, like, I've met people who... Um, I'll be friends with, like, that I've developed relationships with that I'll have for the rest of my life already uh, people who I, like, love and respect and I've met them in the festival circuit. I haven't even been to, like, a few festivals so far. You know, like, Michelle Tawanu, she did a movie called Live Scream. I don't know if you've seen that on the circuit. Yeah, was, like,
0: yeah, yeah. I really it. dug it and I had, I had her on the show, which was very cool.
1: No way, I didn't even know that. Yeah, You're kidding.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll send you a link, yeah. It was a yeah, really I mean, well done movie that. for, like, you know, it's basically, if you just hear the premise, you would think, well, I don't know if that's going to work for a feature, because it's, like, uh, all on screen, pretty much. You know, just like a person sitting in a room, but it totally works, and it builds,
1: uh, you know, tension, and uh, it's a really unique movie. Oh, yeah, you're glued, man. Like, uh, and, and it goes by so fast that you're like, what, the that already just happened. Like, that's crazy. Cause it goes by like really fast. And you wouldn't think that from like a single take, you know, single camera and one take kind of thing. I think she did it in three takes, but it looks like a one take. It's just brilliant, man. Yeah. And, um, she's super cool. And like, I really, really respect her a lot. Like she's sharp dude. So like meeting her and like talking to her about her process and stuff. And dude, she created the game that's in the film, like all of the games, there's like 10 <laughs> yeah. of them or something. And, like, uh-huh. they're dope, you know? And, like, um, she's going to be, like, a game developer, and she's working on some other movies and stuff. And it's just people like her. I've met a lot of people like her in this industry already, and I, I can already tell that they're going to be, like, lifelong friendships. And I, I think that's the most important thing out of the festivals is the people that you meet. Yeah. What well, Another thing that's cool, though, is that, like, horror fans are so cool that, like, mm-hmm. at Horror Hound, when, when I was there, there was 40,000 people there. And, like, you're walking around there, and and it's tight, dude. You could barely get in. You're moving at the pace of a snail, mm-hmm. but not once did I see any kind of conflict. Like no one was like, mm-hmm. "Get the heck out of my way." I never heard yeah. one person like raise their voice. None of that stuff. Everyone was so cool, man. Everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started doing the the uh, conventions in I think 2011 or 2012, and I noticed that right away. It was uh, everyone's very welcoming because you know there's different like types of people that are horror fans. There might be, you know, people covered in tattoos and then there's people that's, you know, all wearing black. And then there's people that might just look uh, like an accountant or something, but they're all, cause you all share uh, the same love of something. Uh, they're all very accepting of all different, you know, styles of people. And it's just the really the nice time.
1: Yeah, dude, it is. Man. You've hosted a bunch of panels and stuff, huh?
0: Yeah, but, that was, uh, you know, really cool is doing the show since 2006. And then, um, when days of the dead first started, um, apparently, uh, some of my guests recommended me to, uh, to be like the, their official podcast and do the, and do the panels. And this isn't putting myself over. I you was know, just like, that's really, you know, it's just really awesome that someone would put me over. I think Brian Steele, uh, the creature boy who played uh, predator and different things. He was one of the guys and Mark Patton from, uh, i oh, uh, yeah, Pat, part dude. two. Yeah. yeah. So, from my understanding, they were two of the people that, like, hey, he'd be a good guy to do it. And so I never, you know, I've been doing the show, but I never did anything in person. And I, I'm naturally a very quiet person. I was voted most quiet in high school. So, like, to do a panel, I was like, oh, I don't know. But, uh, it's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So, and, uh, everyone again, like, was very welcoming and, uh, it was, it was a great time. I haven't done any for, for a little while, but uh, uh, I did a lot of them that were – I am very. I was actually going to do my comeback one, actually, Mad Monster, but I was recovering from surgery, so I couldn't do it. Yeah. But I was going to host the Iron Sheik and Sergeant Slaughter panel at Mad Monster oh. in Charlotte, which would have been fun.
1: Dude, that's so awesome, man. Dude, so you're also like the luckiest person to ever live too, right? <laughs> you're always playing yes, so like he, scratch-offs yeah. and lottery tickets and everything.
0: Yeah, very. Pre- I, it was, I don't like. All right, so I don't believe like uh, I'm not a religious, guy. So it don't believe like a high, higher power. But so I so I got sick in November, very sick, and then so I decided, you know, start walking all stuff. And, and part of the thing was to keep me motivated at the beginning when I'm walking, is like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and and get like a couple scratch tickets. So it's like, well. So if I walk down to the store here, you know, it's like a two mile walk. So I just want to walk there and walk back. I might not be motivated to do this. So I'm going to walk down there and get, you know, $10 scratch ticket. So, so all through December, I won like hundreds of dollars every week. I won two $500 tickets. I won $2,000 tickets. And, uh, uh, part of me was like, this is like a sign to keep doing this because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> somehow I'm winning all this, uh, this money and, so uh, I don't know if there's something to that, but, uh, you know, it did keep me motivated and now the motivation's just to do to it. But, uh, yeah, it,
1: it came at a perfect time, you know? So was, well, I just saw you like yesterday you were at yeah, like, a casino yeah. or something and you had like, I was yeah, looking like, astronomical it was, amount of money. Casino. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was, it was very good. I was, I was, I haven't been to a casino for a while and, uh, uh, with my with my brother, and my mom, and I, I did very well. I was very happy about that. So not only did I have a good yeah. time with my family, I also came up came home with uh, several hundred dollars. So that, that, that's a it's a win win, as they say.
1: Yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm really excited. I haven't heard the Larry Holmes episode either, but I know I asked him. Oh, like <laughs> I've got like 75 questions on there, <laughs> but I'm like I, uh-huh. I hope that like I just I can't wait to hear it, man. Because I hope that, like some of those made it through. Some genuinely. I'm a huge boxing fan, man, and like you've had on like the best guests ever, man. And uh, just like I said, it's just a huge honor to be on, like talking to you after you've just talked to all these amazing people. Like I don't have no business being on here, so thank you, man, <laughs> for giving me the chance.
0: I no, I love you, Evan. It's very cool. It's a uh, it's cool to me to I like to just do with interviews with anybody because it's cool to find out about the person. So like. It, to me, it's cool if I interview anyone. Like I grew up watching something they did, like you know Larry Holmes or someone who hosted, uh, you know the guy who hosted the Supermarket Sweep or uh, no Joel way, Reed, yeah. the host of Blood Sucking Freaks. You know, crazy, those crazy movie that I I love. And then it's cool to have uh, people on from like the independent scene, like you and uh, Michael Epstein and Sophia Cassiola, because uh, you know I see that stuff at the festivals. I'm like, these movies are cool, and it'd be cool to talk to them. So. Ah, uh, for me, it's all—it's all a lot of fun to uh, talk to anybody that uh, that is in some way involved in stuff
1: I'm interested in. Dude, yeah, supermarket sweep, man. Uh, I used to yeah. love that. <laughs> for, ironically, yeah. like, next time you hear the beep, think of the fun you'll have on supermarket. <laughs> I used <laughs> right. to love that, man. I, like that show, <laughs> epic. I I even
0: had him do that in the line or for the site. I was like, "Can you say your the, the the catch?" And so he did it, which I was very happy about. Dude, that's so cool, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to get some other uh game show hosts, but it hasn't worked out yet. But uh we'll we'll see, but but some of the Dude, people like I had Ed Asner on and I never thought Ed Asner would uh would do this show. I was like this is like a huge, you know, icon in like uh TV and movies, but that was uh I don't know awesome. if I know Ed
1: Asner.
0: Uh from um t- it might be before your day. Ed Astor was, uh, was, uh, an um, I can't, now I'm blanking here. The, uh, one of the most famous sitcoms. Let me pull up his name. I'm going to cheat and go to IMDB, but yeah, and he was, uh, the voice <laughs> and up, you know, the, uh, oh, no
1: way. Yeah.
0: Okay. The, uh, yeah.
1: Now Lou Grant and the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, no way.
0: Yeah. And he played Santa. So he, he was Lou
1: Grant and Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Yeah. No way. He was, uh, he's old then dude. <laughs> Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, I think part of it because he he lost his hair young, so he probably looked a little older then.
1: But, uh, but yeah, you know what's funny, man. If you go back and watch that stuff. Like I watched Mary Tyler Moore as a kid. I used to watch all like Nick at night shows. Like I love Lucy and Dobie Gillis and you name it, you yeah, know, and uh, Mary Tyler Moore Rhoda, all of them. And I was like, Lou Grant looks so old. And I would probably go back and watch that now. And I'd be like, man, he looks pretty young actually, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's funny. Yeah. You get you're older. Kid, like... Everyone
0: older looks older. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean,
1: Now you're like, yeah. uh, oh, I don't look as old as me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Dobie. Once a girl was dreamy. Dobie. Me, wants a girl oh, to dude. call his own. Yeah, I, I, it, I remember man. all the jingles from this. Now a lot of shows oh, some, they don't have uh, they don't have theme songs, but uh, I love the theme songs from the old uh, sitcoms.
1: Oh man, like honestly, the ones from the '50s and '60s, uh, even like uh, deeper into the '70s, were great. man. I still love like Three's Company and stuff, but prior to that, man, they were. I love all those shows, man. They were all great. Yeah. So uh I just get to like I five in the morning watching those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick at Night
0: was the best. Uh, that's how I watch, you know, because obviously I wasn't born in the in the fifties or something. But so yeah, I watched yeah. all those uh, growing up, and uh, it was always a great. Yeah, I'd stay up real late because then I think when I got a little older, they started showing stuff that like I actually watched, and then I was like, this. Uh, I kind of lost interest if they were showing like Charles yeah. in Charge or something that was just yeah. on like a couple of years ago. But it's yeah, cool like to watch stuff house, I never. Fresh watched friends. Yeah. Prince
1: of Bel on it, and you're like, "Come on, man." Same, same with like a classic rock stations Like you're listening to like classic rock stations, and Nirvana comes on, and you're like, "What? Wait a second, hold
0: up." Now. <laughs> right? Yes, I might listen to another. Then I guess I then I have to think like, well, I guess people that were my age when I watched Dick at night, uh, this is classic stuff to them. Then I just yeah, to turn it off. Yeah. But I, <laughs> So you're a kind of serious question. So you're you're a very positive uh, guy and I read, um, you know, you were homeless for a while and stuff. So first of all, how did you get into that situation and how did you get out of it? And how did you, uh, were you always positive throughout, uh, that whole, uh, experience?
1: I think so. To be honest, man, like to keep it real, like some of those were some of the happiest times in my life, um, I hate to say that, you know, because that's a really shitty situation to be in. Pardon my language. Hopefully, uh, this, this show's okay oh, with uh, cuss words on it. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, so basically, um, by the time I was 15, um, I pretty much lived in my car. And uh, I had a bunch of friends who were super cool, man. And like some people would let me, you know, couch surf on at their place and stuff. But I think parents started to get a little sick of me, even though like I was always super nice and polite. They're just kind of like, eh, eh, Antonio's like, I'm waking up for work and Antonio's like freaking on the couch or on the floor or something. Can he fix that situation? And so I started staying in my car and I delivered for this bagel place and, um, and I pretty much lived in it, man. Uh, so like, uh, you know, I would take showers at friend's house and stuff if I needed to. And, um, but the the way that I got into this situation was that, uh, I came from somewhat of a broken home. So, and I don't want to like, uh, say anything about my parents or my mother or anything like that. My dad was a laborer. He came from Peru and he worked as a laborer his whole life until pretty much the day that he died, sadly. And, um, basically like he just worked all day, man. Like before I got up in the morning for school, he was gone when I was little. And by the time I like went to sleep, he, he came home after that. So he was home and he was never home whenever, um, he worked. So basically I was left with my mother and I was kind of like raised by the television and, uh, like, I don't want to, say anything negative about her or anything of that nature on, on the show or in general. But, um, but I found myself in a situation where, uh, I was no longer living there and uh, it was not by choice. But, uh, so I stayed in my car and uh, nobody really worried about me, you know what I'm saying? And that was, that was fine. And, uh, and I worked and stuff like that. And then I worked my way into my own apartment. Um, friend of mine, like he was a little bit older than us, Josh Torping, thank you so much for letting me couch there, but uh, but he let me stay there, and and then we split rent until I could like, I could afford my own place. But the place was so small, and I was I was living in my car for probably close to a year, maybe longer. But um, but the the place was so small that you couldn't even like open the refrigerator fully in the kitchen, or like open the stove fully. Because like it was, it would just hit like the other side of like the the counter because it was so tiny, the space was so mm-hmm. small. But um, but yeah, man. So I, I kind of like lived that lifestyle, but I I wasn't it it never bothered me. I wasn't super concerned with it, and I thought mm-hmm. that you know if this is the worst that things get, man, this is nothing. I can handle this. This is nothing to me, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I remember that I had like a leak in my car, and when it rained, I had to find like something like if I was to sleep in my car, I'd have to uh, go underneath something so that I didn't get rained on and I remember this one particular case um it had rained on me and everything and like after the rain had cleared I was like in this horrible mood um there were kids who were like walking behind my car who were like on their way to a party or something they were about my age and they were dressed like beautifully you know like they were all dressed up had their hair done up and everything like boys and girls you know 15 years old Mm -hmm. 16 maybe and I was in my car. I was trying to crash and go to sleep so I could go to work the next day at New East Bagel. That was the place I was working at. And uh, I don't even think they knew I was 15 years old, <laughs> driving a car illegally. But um, uh-huh. but and I was delivering for them too. But um, uh, but basically, <laughs> I, I was in the car and these kids are, you know, I, hear, I heard them, you know, like goofing off and stuff behind my car whenever they were on their way to like a party or something. And I thought, man, how different are our lives? You know, where like they're worried about, you know, like going to a party and stuff and what they'll mm-hmm. eat tomorrow and i'm worried like will i eat tomorrow at all you know kind of deal mm-hmm. and uh they'll that's probably, how the yeah. struggle was then and it it, it mm-hmm. really was man it was uh and i don't think it was even like a low point to keep it real i don't think it was like a low point in my life uh it's something that i value so much that i'm so thankful that happened to me and uh and i'd stayed in even worse places than my car and, I, I would like have preferred my car sometimes because I stayed in such shitty places. But um but yeah, man, I yeah. think it was all worth it. And um, you know, like when you're going through something like that that you're just like it it really sucks, man. You know, it sucks to not have the comfort of like going into the bathroom and like, you know, washing your hair or something like that or doing your hair mm-hmm. up so you can go out that night or something like that. But like but man, um it really, really wasn't that bad, man. I, just, I was always thinking like, if this is, is the bottom of the barrel, it's just nothing to me. Like this is ain't even that bad and uh, and i think that like anybody who was in my same uh position they would probably attest to the same thing they would probably say that uh the reason that they can stay in that situation for so long is because it's really it isn't that bad and there's people who like live outside this country who go through way worse stuff than that man and they make yeah. it and uh and it's not man it seems like when when we talk about it so casually that it's it's horrible that, that i i had gone through that but uh, but I think that, you know, the, the friends that I had kept around me and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. I was destined for failure, man. Like, uh, a lot of those people, and uh, God bless them, man, A lot of, and God bless their soul, too, a lot of them people. I know this sounds cliche, man, but um, a lot of those friends are in prison serving life sentences, or they're dead mm-hmm. now, man. And uh, and I'm, I'm just lucky that I wasn't one of them, but I just kind of always felt a little bit different, man. I had a little bit of ambition, and I think that's all you need in life.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we have a caller here on the line, and I'm going to ask some more stuff about those lines. But uh, let's see. 407 Area Code. Who are you? Where are you calling from?
3: Hi, Antonio. It's Taylor. How are oh, you? Oh, what up, Taylor?
0: Oh, better Hi, than I um, deserve.
3: I know. Well, I actually have a question for you, but I wanted to, uh, on your Facebook page, Josh Steifler, I guess, had a question. He wasn't sure where to post it. I wanted you to answer this question because it's amazing. And he said, mm-hmm. um, my question is, now that you've seen the movie with a few audiences, are there any moments that got a reaction you didn't expect? I want you to uh, answer that, is that question. question. Because that's, that's a good question. Yeah, because it is a great question.
1: Thank you for calling, Taylor. That's so awesome of you. And uh, so Taylor's the associate producer have... on the film. <laughs> and uh, Josh Stipzer was on the show Rebel Without a Crew where they follow you to make your own movie and you, it's like a docu-series and josh made an amazing movie called um the good exorcist that is so hilarious and it's so good so well crafted the animation is amazing but josh difter is somebody i was going to tell you about anyways neil um the is he's just on another level he's a, he's a really 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 good director writer he shoots he edits this animation he does everything but um but anyhow uh the question there was so many moments in the movie that i didn't fully expect to to hit as well as it did like especially like the humor because i'm not particularly like a comedian or anything like that <laughs> so like um a lot of the humor like uh, my my brother todd is in it he's been like one of my best friends well my best friends since i've been like a really little kid and uh, so todd's in it and todd's not really an actor so he's he's in a pretty big role in the film of course he's like one of the lead roles and uh, all of the comedy pretty much is on todd and, uh, a lot of what he was saying was really, really hitting with audiences. And I just wrote Todd as himself. His name is Todd in the movie. Like he's, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's how like a uh, little thought process went into it because I just wrote it based on things that he says and does. And, uh, and all of it was hitting, man. I was so surprised by it. And then at the end, there's a, there's a pinnacle moment in the movie where, um, something very horrific happens. And uh, a lot of people had to turn away and they couldn't watch it. And they had to like look over their shirt and stuff. And, but they started uh, roaring in like uh, they just like cheered and clapped at that moment. And, and I, I couldn't believe it. I thought and I think that it's just because it's a really cool moment, despite like it's like horrific nature. Uh, it's just a really cool moment because it's that's something that you don't want to happen to that character specifically. But um, but they loved it. And I thought that reaction was really, really cool to watch with a massive audience. That's nice. a great question. Yeah.
3: It was a great question. And I... That's awesome. Thank you, Neil. Uh, Neil, I just have to say, I've been a fan of yours forever, from Days of the Dead to everything, and I am so excited that um, Antonio is on the show and we get to watch and listen to everything. And uh, when you guys get to the new movie, because I have so many questions, but Antonio, I absolutely want to know, like, are you going to continue to always do horror? I love your photography. The creative stuff of everything is always so dramatic. And I don't know, would you ever think about doing something that's less, horror and glory or is that something you always
1: do thank you so much for asking i love horror so like since i've been a kid um i have always uh loved horror you know i have a soft spot for horror and i have it tattooed all over my whole body horror but um but but on the same token like um i think that like my photography is very ethereal and um it tells a different story you know it's very fantasy driven and things like that and um, thank you for bringing up the new movie, but um, but it's uh, the new movie is going to be uh, more in that same vein where it's um, it's very emotional as opposed to horror. I think gives you a different kind of emotion, and it's contingent upon what kind of horror you're watching. But but it does it lasts with you. But I think the next uh, film that I'm doing it has a lot of horror elements in it, but um, but I think it's really going to touch on like a, a a much more emotional side. It's still kind of like that '80s kind of feeling where. Um, movies like Labyrinth and Drop Dead Fred and, and Little Monsters and stuff. Like they, um, cool. they tell you this story, but they're really giving you this metaphor for, uh, learning, uh, morals for life. You know, like in Labyrinth, um, she's crying, she's yelling about her baby brother at one moment and she's, she's mad at her baby brother. She has to babysit. She's mad at her parents for making her babysit. She hates her little brother. She's selfish. And then, uh, and then her little brother gets taken you know and then she realizes what's uh, important to her and that he was so important to her all along and that like her earthly possessions meant nothing to her like the trash lady at the end that has all like her jennifer connelly's possessions and uh mm-hmm. that's why i named uh sarah and one must fall, sarah was because of uh labyrinth but uh, but basically she's like she realized that her, these earthly possessions were never important to her and that um that her brother was and you know and i thought that, that that's that's really the big metaphor for the movie that you know sometimes people even miss but as kids we eat it up and we learn from it so the new movie um is going to be like it'll of course be entertaining but it's a lot less uh of like shock value and a lot more uh emotional um value and we take more of a statement on it
3: oh well we are very excited to see what comes out and uh excited about the louisville premiere for one Must fall i will let you get back to your podcast and everything thank you guys and uh, no awesome you know, awesome job. Continue to do your. I could have done it thing. without you,
1: Taylor. I couldn't have done this movie without <laughs> okay. you, so thank you.
3: <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Taylor. Thanks. All right. Yeah, Talk to you great call. Right. Bye.
0: Bye. So when is the when is the uh, the Louisville, the Kentucky premiere?
1: So uh, I'm supposed to go on uh, TV tomorrow and like make the announcement. So maybe I'll I'll say the date and uh, I won't say disclose. Well, maybe I should say the location and not the date, Mm because the location is really beautiful. It's it's the most beautiful place that we have in Louisville. It looks like, um, I don't know, like the Venetian or something. It's really gorgeous, Um, but it's it's going to be at the Palace. And uh, that is the only thing that I can disclose now. But uh, but uh, tomorrow, <laughs> when they watch the news at 10 a.m., I'm going to uh, announce the date and the specific location and stuff. But uh, it seats like 2,500 people, and it's it's absolutely beautiful, man. It looks like something out of uh, Italy or something, but super beautiful place. And um, it's coming soon, maybe like maybe a few months. <laughs> nice. So, what was the
0: experience like when you first? uh saw your own movie one one must fall with an audience
1: oh man that that's a great question uh it was crazy man like because I didn't know what to fully expect you know and um, I've been depressed over this film and I think it's kind of true with uh with all artists when we finish like one of our projects that we have like this level of depression when instead like we should be feeling like the pinnacle of our lives and our artistic ability we're instead very depressed so um so I was I had been like in this long depression, whether I didn't even know if the movie was good or not, you know, and um, I think Jason had asked me, you know, like, to, to to watch the movie, and I was so nervous to to let him watch Jason Minton, and and he gave me, like, a really, really great, you know, amazing review, and the movie wasn't even done then, and, like, it was just super cool. It restored my faith in it, and then um, when I submitted to Horror Hound, uh, Audrey Lane and her husband, George, they watched the film, and they said the most kind things that brought me to tears on the film, and, and she said, you should submit it to every single festival that you can possibly afford, and I did. Mm-hmm. And then when we had the people you know watch the film for the very first time, had no clue what to expect, but all of the funny moments were really hitting hard. All of the gore did exactly what I wanted it to do. Most people couldn't even watch it. And uh, and then everybody loved the film. They had, I just got um, rave reviews about it, and I couldn't believe like how great it was. Because I know that it's not a, it's not going to be a film for everybody, you know. But I think that um, it is very entertaining from front to back. So I think mm-hmm. that it's like less polarizing of a film where you it's not one of the type where you either love it or hate it. I, mean, I know not everybody's going to love it, but it's just entertaining all the way through. So if if you like the genre, um, like if you like Maniac. Uh, and if you like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, you're definitely going to love this movie, you know, I think. So it's it's made for people who, it's made for a specific audience. But um, I was very surprised and shocked that people actually dug it, man. You know, because I just don't know. You're so close to the project that you don't even know if it's good mm-hmm. or not, you know, to some degree. So, um, But, you know, we're getting nominated for some awards and stuff and getting accepted into festivals that I never thought possible and um and i think it's testimony you know to, to the cast and crew and their hard work and not not mm-hmm. me per se but it's uh those guys really uh put it all on the line and put themselves into the film and they made it come to life you know
0: all mm-hmm. the t-shirts by the way too i'm seeing here on uh, facebook uh can you get those anywhere
1: yeah man i got them on my website but i got i'll get you one i'll get one to you for sure uh, but right. i got them on my website thank you so much for asking it's a it's com slash shop, but it's also on, like, our One Must Fall um, Facebook page. Like, people can, mm-hmm. can go there and, like, click through and go to the website and order shirts, but there's three different times and there's one um, and it's, mostly for like people in Louisville, but like a lot of people really dug it. It just basically has mm-hmm. the Louisville skyline and like a rising, an eighties rising sun, you know, setting. Mm-hmm. And it says Louisville, Kentucky, 1986 on it. So it's like a retro kind of style. And then we have, of course the Christopher mm-hmm. shy poster. And of course the Nathan Thomas milliner po- poster, uh, they're all on the t-shirts and, uh, those guys did such amazing work that I'm just proud to, to show everybody, you know?
0: Yeah. It's amazing. You know, uh, sometimes that's something that's overlooked is the art for a film because it's like, uh, when we were kids, either VHS or DVD, you would see the cover and that you rent, you know, rent something based on that. And, uh, now there's so much stuff out there. The first thing you do notice is, uh, is the artwork for a movie. First thing. Oh, I agree, man. People in. Yeah.
1: I think if you yeah, have you like a it. really good trailer. Oh, go ahead. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I was just going to say the trailer and you made an amazing trailer. Oh, thank you, man. That's so cool of you. Um, Yeah, I think if you have an amazing trailer and amazing artwork, um, then people will give you a chance, you know, even if they don't uh, recognize the people in the film. And I think that's important to do for those actors as well so that, you know, an audience would give them a chance. So the director, I think, should always set back aside funds or do favors or do somebody's landscaping for 10 years if you have to, (laughs) just to make sure that you get – and I've even told people that straight up. Like, I'm not above that. You know, I'm not above anything. I was like, I don't know if I can afford you, but I'll figure out a way, man. If I can, if I can make this happen, I'll do anything to. to... I'm, I'm working with a guy uh, for the next film, who did a very, very, very big film, very iconic characters, and uh, and I'm, I told him on the phone, I said, dude, uh, I, I have to have you for this project. Like, I I cannot move forward unless you're on this project, and uh, and he hasn't done anything for four years, but he's done some huge movies. And he's going to be working with me on the next film, but um, but I think you just have to, man. You have to make any kind of sacrifices that you can to make it work. And you know, if uh, if you're not willing to sell your car for it, you know, and take an Uber everywhere or something, then maybe you don't, maybe you don't want it that bad, you know.
0: Mhm. The
1: Oh, we saw
0: Taylor Christine actually posted here uh, the link for the for the t-shirt. So
1: yeah, all of them are very sweet. Oh man, thank you so much, dude. Big time. Yeah, we yeah. just have three of them now, but um, but I think we're gonna get uh, we'll probably do some more styles and stuff like that eventually, contingent upon if people dig them, you know, or they want something else. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, you know, when you talked earlier about uh, you know, you're homeless, but you know, at the time it's not necessarily uh, a horrible situation for you because, like, you know, you you overcame everything. But uh, since then, did you have you ever did you? F- do you still have a relationship with your family at all? Did you ever talk to them since then?
1: Yeah. So, uh, my dad, um, he was my hero, man, but, um, but he passed away in 2009. So he didn't get oh, to see okay. like Sorry. any of the things i he never got to see me, um, be successful really like with, with this, at least like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that what he did get to see though, is that like I was, uh, I was working a corporate job that uh, a really close friend gave me a big opportunity, uh, Lee Kuyper. And he taught me a lot about life that I use every day still today. but um, but basically, um my dad got to meet Lee and before he passed, and my dad got to see that, like i I bought my house, you know, I bought a house, and like we we would have never thought. I mean, like there's been the the house that I got, the first house I got was like we we never would have anticipated having something that nice in our entire lives, like any of my family, you know, and my first paycheck from this job that I was doing really, really well at. Um, it was $14,000. It was a sales job and I gave it to my dad, man. Like that was the first thing that I wanted to do. And uh, he was my hero, man. He was just a saint. and He worked so hard and he thought very low of himself because he was an immigrant and Spanish was his first language. He, he had a very heavy uh, Spanish accent when he spoke English and he just didn't want me to be anything like him, man. And, uh, so I just, I really regret that. I wish that he would have gotten to see, you know, like where, I went, you know, with with this because he would be so proud, and he'd want to be part of it. But, um, but yeah, man, he, he gave me—I mean, I, I, I am who I am because of of him, essentially. But I don't talk to mostly anybody else in my family whatsoever. Um, sadly, uh, I got a couple mm-hmm. uncles who I love dearly, who are uh, very close to me, and they look just like my dad. But um, but other than that, uh, uh, you know, a, a cousin is an author, and she's amazing, and she supports me like dramatically, and I want to support her more too in her endeavor. But um, but I, I don't like my immediate family? Um, no, man, sadly, I I wish, but I I wish I had that. And I'm very envious when I see people who have that because I appreciate that and I value it more than anything, but I'm lucky, man. My friends are my family, you know, and, uh, Mm -hmm. and I'm very protective over my friends and they're protective over me as well. And, um, and, and I think, you know, blood couldn't draw us any closer. I'm, I'm very lucky to have the friends that I have because You know, they, they, they are my family. A lot of my friends' mothers, uh, treat me like their own son. And I'm so thankful for that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess for people that
0: might not be horror fans, why they'd be listening to this that I think about, I'm not really sure, but, uh, so they (laughs) might think like, uh, what, what is it about horror movies that, uh, uh, would be positive for somebody and inspiring uh, so what, what is there about horror movies that are inspiring for you and, uh, and, and a positive experience for you?
1: I think there's uh, major takeaways from most horror films that have like hidden agendas that are trying to take a either political posture on on uh, a specific topic, or they're mm-hmm. trying to make you self-aware of uh, something that's very specific as well. Like in our film, for example, um, it, it has a, a very strong gay character. So Mm -hmm. typically in horror films, when I grew up, um, gay characters were not strong at all. They were very weak and they Mm -hmm. had this horrible stereotype of the LGBT community that, um, that I don't agree with and that's not my stereotype. So like the stereotype Mm -hmm. that I know is that they're very loyal, they're very strong and they're the most kind people in the whole world, despite being, you know, the world is ugly to them they're still beautiful to the to the world and uh and mm-hmm. that's the stereotype that we created with the character that we have and the same with like the the black character like uh, that you see like typically in hip horror films that um i don't know man they just they have a horrible stereotype of uh, especially from the 80s and that's not mm-hmm. the stereotype that i know at all you know like um not not whatsoever so it's it's different in our film and i think you can take a good political posture on 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 that and break those stereotypes but um, but I think in general, the reason that I love horror so much is because I told you my dad was a laborer. And a lot of times I didn't get to see him when I grew up whatsoever, not for many days, sometimes weeks, because he worked so much. But when he did come home and we, w- we would watch horror as a family, and he would say, everybody get on the couch. We're going to watch a horror film together. And like, so I have this crazy sense of family unity through horror. And, uh, and I posted that on Facebook, and a lot of people were able to relate to that because in my family, we didn't like, we didn't talk, we didn't tell each other, we love each other. We didn't eat together. We did nothing together, but Mm -hmm. we watched horror movies together. And that's the only thing that we had that, and I think that I feel this crazy sense of family unity through, through horror films. And a lot of other people do as well. Um, I think there's nothing like being scared with somebody, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's a, it's a replacement for another emotion, you know, for love or something. But, um, but yeah, man, mm-hmm. I, so I think that that really brought us together and so many other people can relate to that.
0: Yeah. I always said on the show, I think
1: uh, if if
0: uh, a movie, which is art, so any piece of art, if it, it connects to you emotionally in, in any way, that's a positive, even if that emotion isn't necessarily a positive emotion. So if you're scared or it's something that disturbing or, or whatever, um, you still feel something, and that's... Uh, that's an important uh, thing from art in, in my opinion.
1: Oh, I agree. agree a hundred percent. And sometimes you're exposed to things that, um, you never knew that you were afraid of, you know? And I, I think that even that's important, like having, and I was telling my daughter the other day, she's four, I have two daughters, one's 11, one's four, a four year old echo. Um, she, she was so scared to be in her room. You know, she'd never seen anything scary before, but she was scared and I was telling her why fear is actually important and why you have fear, you know, and why you should go into certain situations and be afraid because that's a good thing that you're afraid, you know? And, and I think fear is good. It's healthy, you know, and being introduced to things that you're afraid of is important for you as a human being, I think, you know, so that you don't go into really terrible situations and expose yourself, you know?
0: Right. So what were the what were the movies that you watched like uh, early on that made you decide like this is something I'd like to do?
1: Oh man! So uh, first, it's The Exorcist, and I saw that movie when I was really, really, really young. This is in my movie. I, I, I talk about this, but but basically, uh, my cousin Tracy showed me that movie when I was four years old, and probably <laughs> she probably did it like to just be evil, to be honest with you. And and it scared me so bad that I slept in my parents' bed until I was twelve directly in the middle of them. So it ruined their sex life completely. So like they couldn't like have sex because I'm always in the pit, you know, I'm, like right in the middle. So uh, it scared me so bad. And uh, and that's why my brother Vinny is eight years younger than I am is because I ruined their sex life. So That just got me bad, man. But, um, but going, you know, going through the years and go through the process and stuff and learning filmmaking and learning the camera and directing and writing and the whole thing, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think it was, I, I didn't get into it till I was, uh, much later in life. So, uh, it was, it was the French films that really, really got a hold of me, man, and, and pretty much changed my life. And I think it was mm-hmm. 2003 when, um, High Tension came out and I had never seen anything like that in my entire life. And, uh, and I heard an interview with Alexander Aja, he's the director and writer of the film. And, uh, and they were like, why are you so good at remakes? You did so great with Maniac. You did so great with The Hills Have Eyes and, He's like, oh, High Tension's a remake, too. And they're like, no, it's not. Remake of what? And he's like, yeah, it's a remake. He's like, it's a remake of everything that I've experienced in my entire life. All of the films that I've seen in my entire life, they're all in that film. He's like, you probably just didn't notice. And uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, Antonio, that's crazy that you wrote that script in a week. I can't believe you wrote One Must Fall in a week. And I'm like, no, uh, I wrote it for my whole life. I just like, I typed it in a week (laughs) you know like all of my life is in there like that that story i told you about the the exorcist scared me so bad that's in the movie you know like so um all all that stuff i I think is is part of like everything that you've experienced in your life is regurgitated through this movie but the next film i think is going to be a lot more personal to me and like um you know, the the why that I became homeless and stuff and maybe like some very personal stuff and disturbing things that have happened to me in my life or in that film, the new one that I'm writing now, Mm -hmm. but it's almost finished.
0: Yeah. So, um, when, when you, um, when you had the movie finished, uh, and you started going to the fest. So your first idea was to send it to festivals.
1: Yeah. Um, I wanted to go through the festival circuit because I've been w- listening to um, – there's a podcast called Indie Film Hustle, and a guy named Alex Ferrari hosts that podcast. He's amazing. And it's pretty much like film school, honestly, like uh, him and Jason Buff does one Indie Film Academy. There's a bunch of others that are amazing that I need to mention, Flush Studios, a bunch of but, – um, but they basically put me through film school, and not only film school, but, like, they schooled me on distribution as well. And I heard lots of filmmakers go on their shows who talked about, like, um, the depression that they were in by getting screwed over from you know distribution companies and things like that. So I really knew what to and what not to do in the process. So I thought that my best course of action was to go through the film festival circuit, garner some attention and create some buzz about the film, and then go out to the market to try to get an offer for the film that way I didn't catch something early that um that I would be beating myself up over for years because I didn't know what could have been. But going through the festival circuit, I know what it's capable of, and I'm really early in right now. You know, I'm very early in the festival circuit. We have like 37 laurels, I think, right now, which is I'm very proud of that. But we, I mean, we're not even like, you know, we're 10, per, not even 10 of the way through our festival, um, our festival run. So, um, so I think that once we get through the festival circuit, we've kind of exhausted that resource. I think we're going to get a much better offer on, um, on that down the road, and I think that's just, you know. Uh, part of what I learned working for Lee Kuyper and developing a business strategy, being effective, you know, as soon as you hit the ground is uh, being, you know, productive as soon as, you know, you, you get out into the market. And I think that was through him learning that through him. But, um, but yeah, man, I think that you have to have some sort of business model because even, you know, we don't like to admit that it's a business making a movie, but it's, it's a, there's a business aspect into it because if you want to continue to do this as a career or make another movie, you have to sell your movie, you know, you have to sell it. So Mm -hmm. if you don't know what you're doing and you end up, owing a distribution company, you know, 200 grand on your movie, you're never going to, you're probably never going to make another movie again. You know, you're not Mm -hmm. even going to own this movie anymore. You're not going to, you're not going to come out of the red. So, um, so I think this is the best course of action is to go through the entire festival circuit, do the festival run, develop as many relationships as I can along the way. And then, then people can see what the movie is worth, you know, as opposed to, buying it up straight out of the gate and a couple people have opinions on it and they give me a little offer, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So did you go to the film school or, or was your film school watching like the Lloyd Kaufman stuff and, uh, and some of these well, podcasts and, and was, was that your film school?
1: But yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. That was my film school. So I read Lloyd Kaufman's book, uh, make your own damn movie and he's got a whole series and direct your own, produce your own damn movie and all that. And then, um, and of course, like your podcast has been huge for me. Um, there's been a lot of other podcasts that I've, I've listened to that I mentioned and, uh, the Robert Rodriguez book, it, it just made everything seem possible. It's a uh, rebel without a crew. And, uh, and I was almost on that show so close. I was the top seven out of five, uh, top seven and they had five go on the show. Mm. But just because of like a uh, schedule conflict, I couldn't sign the contract. And I almost did one must fall on that show. And then me and Josh Stifter would have been brothers then, but uh, but no, I didn't go on the show. I couldn't sign the contract because of schedule conflict. Because I, like I said, I, I make my contracts um, two to three years in advance, and um, I can't mm-hmm. back out on it. You know, it, it's my reputation. There's just no way I could ever mm-hmm. do that. But um, so that's that's my word. You know, so I can't I can't mm-hmm. do it. But but I thought that I was depressed after I didn't go on the show. Also, but uh, but yeah, his book Rebel Without a Crew made it all seem possible because Robert Rodriguez is an auteur, so which means. He writes, shoots, edits, VFX. He does everything himself, includes mm-hmm. scoring his own films. And a lot of people don't know that he shot, like, he shot um, from Dust Till Doll. He shot the whole thing. He edited and scored the whole movie. Like, that's pretty mm-hmm. incredible. So, you know, reading that book, um, it really gave me a lot of inspiration to to move forward. Yeah. That's a great example of a movie that
0: changes uh, genre, you know in the middle of the movie and it totally works
1: oh so. yeah oh it's it's, it's a masterpiece i think that's a. I get sad when i don't see that mentioned on like top 20 lists you know of like best or favorite horror films of all time. it's uh-huh. so good man it's a it's it's a masterpiece in my opinion and, and tom Savini's acting in it man like you don't get that out of yeah, nowhere yeah. you know so it's just sex uh-huh. machine is his name in it but it's just so cool man um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, he, he's a huge inspiration, man. And uh, Josh Stifter, a friend of mine, he, he's personal friends with Robert Rodriguez, and he works on a lot of Robert Rodriguez's, you know, projects and stuff. And and he told me mm-hmm. that he talked about uh, – actually, he sent a screener of of One Must Fall to Robert Rodriguez, and I was just very great. But Josh Stifter's a great guy, man. He's the greatest guy. Oh,
0: that's pretty awesome, yeah. So do you – uh, did crazy. you do your own editing?
1: Yeah, so I, I edited the first uh, round, like the rough draft. Uh, mm-hmm. So I got everything I wanted. I picked all the best shots and stuff like that. And then um, and then a friend who uh, who runs like a big studio here called Thoughtfly, they do like really high-end commercials, and he's done a bunch of really amazing movies. Uh, he was like, yo, man, um, if you're down, I would like to take a crack at editing the movie. And so I gave him what I had, and he made it a thousand times better, man. He really, really did. Because like my cut was like an hour and 47 minutes. And that was before I shot like – 40 more hours of footage <laughs> and, uh, and Matt trimmed it down to like an hour 24 and he cut out all the fat and, uh, mm-hmm. and man, it's just, it's a really tight, it's very tight now. And I think Jason Mitten probably saw the, the version of mine that was like, not as good as Matt's version and, and Matt cut it and it's, dude, it's, it's, it's smooth. It's very good now.
0: Mm-hmm. So I know you did some shorts be uh, before doing the feature and it's always interesting because I know some people, Who uh, I always wonder why people make shorts. Like, is it just to have fun and make something or so what was your motivation when you're making? Was it to show other people what you can do and also get some practice into, uh, you know, uh, creating something before you went on to do a feature?
1: I think so, man. I think a lot of people create shorts because they're passionate about it. So mm-hmm. what I don't understand is when people, they're not, they're not making a proof of concept, but they're spending like 200 grand on a short. That's what I don't yeah, understand. Yeah. But um, yeah. but all the ones that we've done are like done for free or like I love to compete. So like the festival circuit's like perfect for me uh, because I love to compete. Like I don't always win. I lose a lot, but I learn like a lot from my losses. So, uh, so basically like I love competing. So we competed in the 48 hour film project numerous times. And then I have a lot of shorts from that. And it was just like getting my friends together and stuff. And my friends are like ultra talented. Like I have no business even knowing them, but I met them through this industry, you know? And, um, and like, it's, it's crazy that like I could pick up the phone and call John Wells. Who's like, he's an amazing actor, you know? And like, uh, he's, he's my friend. And I can't believe that because like, I've always looked up and idolized, looked up to and idolized this guy and uh i can't believe it's my reality that i can call him sometime if i want but he's been in a bunch of my short films and stuff and of course my brother todd he's not my real brother but you know i grew up with him mm-hmm. and uh i put him in it i put him in everything so i've killed him in like 17 <laughs> things or something i don't know <laughs> uh-huh. um i'm gonna make a reel. He, he probably won't hear this podcast but i'm gonna mm-hmm. make a reel um of todd dying and like like <laughs> all of todd's deaths and Uh put it together and send it to them. But, but yeah, man, so I've done a whole bunch of those, and just for fun, you know, and Mm -hmm. basically for competition and stuff. And sometimes we do pretty well with those, and, you know, we don't have any high expectation of them or anything like that. We just really – we like to compete, but that's not the most important thing. We just really like to have an excuse to get together and create, you know. And um, There was a time where I would just – I would beg people to let me point a camera at them and do something, you know, anything – and uh, a bunch of my friends autumn cleveland let me do a documentary on her when she was on her bodybuilding journey she still is and she's a pro now but, but yeah i got uh-huh. to do like a couple of bodybuilding documentaries and all kinds of crazy cool stuff man and i was just begging people to let me you know let me add it people who had like cool stories and stuff
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, that's where all the shorts came from and documentaries and all that i did early on can you uh, <clears throat> can you
0: uh view any of those are they online somewhere
1: yeah all of them are available um on my website, I think I have a bunch of them. Uh, it's antonopentoja.com. And um, there'll probably be like a. My name will be in the show description or show notes if people are having trouble spelling it. But there's no dash or anything. Just antonopentoja.com. And you can see all of those. And the latest one we did, let's look, we did the 48 hour film project last year again uh, with like most of the One Must Fall cast and crew. and uh, And it was really fun. And we were just trying to get something out there so that um you know people had something fun to watch while they're waiting on one was small and uh and it did really well like we got the audience choice award and uh, some other awards and stuff but it was it was really fun mm-hmm. you know
0: how
1: um
0: how did you get in like the the photography was um just something you're interested in did you go to school for that or was it something no. you picked
1: up yeah no school so um so basically um I've told this story before, so I apologize if somebody has heard this before, but basically uh, my dad passed away in 2009 and like I only had like um, a couple seconds of video of him before he had passed. And uh, it it was, I was on Thanksgiving and he passed on like um, December uh, 2009, uh, December 10th, 2000, December 9th, 2nd, December 2nd, 2009. Anyways, that's not important. But, um, but basically he passed away and, uh, and that's all I had of him. So I watched that video a million times and then I kind of realized that like video makes you immortal, and you live on forever mm-hmm. through video or photos. So I wanted to make sure that you know I was taking enough photos of my daughter, and she was two at the time. I was taking photos of her, and uh, and then she, when she got a little older, she was like, uh, "Dad, can you tell me stories about your dad and how he came from Peru and stuff?" And I'd say, "Well, baby, I think I told you all the stories." And then I wished that um, that I had videos of him telling her stories about himself that maybe she could like put on before bed she could just like watch her grandfather tell her yeah. stories about just all these stories so I was on this mission to find people who were terminal um you know and like that they would be able and it, it killed me honestly but but that they were able to tell their stories to their grandchildren and I thought that was the most beautiful thing that I could ever give to somebody so I was looking for that and then I shot a couple weddings and I realized it like that would made me it was just as an emotional experience. It was the best day of somebody's entire life. And then I kind of realized throughout that process that, like, photography does the same thing. You can tell, like, this crazy story with just one photo. So I got into all kinds of crazy ethereal and conceptual fine art photography and um, begging people to let me shoot them, you know, and a bunch of people didn't want me to. And uh, and then uh, eventually, like, I started I get better and better, you know, just like everybody does. And then I started teaching it because – I realized that, um, you know, that's that's the greatest gift that you can give to somebody, especially somebody who loves that, is uh, teaching them that trade. So I started doing classes where, um, I, I teach people my whole process. So free class: lighting, shooting, editing, and then I get um, my uh, I, I get a bunch of sponsors and I give them all tripods and lights and stuff and for free. All these sponsors are amazing. They give me all this stuff to give these people for free, and I didn't know five people will show up or. 10 people and 300 people show up to the class. So it's, it's super Mm -hmm. cool. So, um, so yeah, man. So I think that, you know, kind of the journey is that like, I I realize that, you know, you become immortal through this process and if you Mm -hmm. stick with it, then you can teach somebody such a valuable trade that like that they'll have for all eternity as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I love that. That's, uh, I was thinking this the other day was like any of the, um, pretty much any like experience I've had in the last 10 years. If I mention or someone mentions it, I can like, I have pictures of it. Like, um, you know, any place that I went or whatever, but, uh, all the stuff that like, uh, I grew up like, you know, and when I, through my teen years, even in my twenties or when I was a little kid, there's like no pictures of, like I have memories of it, but I have no pictures of it. It's the same kind of idea. Like if I had a, if I had a, if phones were around when I was a kid, I'd have, you know, all these pictures of things that I remember, like us playing D&D and uh, different pets I had and all this stuff. But uh, but I don't. So there is something special about being able to uh, to capture a moment in time.
1: Oh, I think it's so beautiful, man. I got um, my dad wrote me a note like uh, just not long before he passed away or whatever. And uh, I got the note and my, my wife. I got gotten a picture of him in Peru, like, and she put like the note on there, man. I, I look at it every single day, man. I love it. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, man, like without stuff like that, um, I, I really don't know who I'd be if I didn't have those. Because, mem- I mean, you might be able to remember them, but memories do fade, man. And, mm-hmm. um, and if, if I didn't have that as a reminder, I, I don't even know who I'd be if I didn't have that. Or, I mean, all of it, you know, but especially that. Mm-hmm.
0: This uh that's a weird thing to say. It doesn't really have thing to do with anything, but what he said about the memories fade is there are, th- there are stories that I've told so many times. So I have a memory of telling the story, but I no longer have the actual memory of it happening.
1: Yep. Oh man. Same. Uh, that, that's exactly me too. Honestly, man. Like, a, you know, like, uh, uh, sometimes, you know, it's, it's good to forget. You know, and I think sometimes people even maybe put up mental blocks so that they can forget. Like from a, that's a PTSD kind of situation, that's how they deal with that. Um, and sometimes you just do. You just do. Even, even the happiest memories. You know, like I remember one time, and I hate to keep bringing up my dad, but um, mm-hmm. but he left me a message in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but he left me a message in Spanish, and then he stopped himself. He's like, speaking Spanish. He's like, oh, <laughs> I can't tell you. I'm sorry. He called me Pantoja. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I know you don't speak Spanish, and then he like went on and left a message. And I remember uh, I, I was with my wife, and she was like, "Hey, uh, can I delete this?" and and she accidentally deleted the message. And it was before yeah. you know he had passed. But I said, "God, I wish I had that thing," you know. And, I, and I, even at that time, I was like, I never want to forget the sound of his voice, you know. I, I you know I wanted her to to keep that, but and it was okay. But I'll tell you a funny story that I've only told the one person before. Is um he didn't I don't speak Spanish, and I told you this early on, but the reason that he didn't want me to speak Spanish was because, um, the way that he was treated when he came to the States. So, uh, he, 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 he just felt very low of himself. So he was always a laborer, but he got, he got like a, he became a hairstylist at one time. And, uh, and basically it's, he like, he, he did really good for himself and stuff like that. And he was dating a girl who worked in the hair salon and stuff. And, uh, and somebody went in his car and they ripped up all his seats, with, uh, with like a box cutter and they left the box cutter in there and they put a note on his dashboard and it said fucking Mexican on there. And he wasn't Mexican, but you know, like uh, it was oh. just, it was, and it was so brutal that he just quit. He was just like, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not supposed to do this. So he would never speak Spanish in the house because he was afraid that I was going to be treated like him. So I, I don't, mm. that's why I don't speak Spanish. And it, it's so sad, man, that that was like the reality of like, you know, any minority in the, in the seventies and eighties kind of growing up is that, that was their reality. And that's just, it's so horrible, man, but it, it's beautiful that he did that, but, but dude, just so awful, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, um, my uncle had married a, a Thai girl, uh, old well, Thai woman when, uh, he was, uh, he's in Vietnam. And then, so his, uh, this son, my cousin is, you know, half uh, Thai. And uh, he used to be a big skateboarder, and he used to go up to Boston on the skateboard. And uh, when he's up there once, and, like, it was a group of skinheads called him uh, Spick. And uh, he didn't know yeah. what it meant, so he didn't think much of it. And, uh, you know, but afterwards, he's like, oh, I would have, you know, beat him up. But, but the weird thing is, you know, he's he's Thai, he's Asian, so he wasn't even, you know, Mexican. But it's, yeah. uh, it's weird that, you know, uh, people just hate someone just because they're different. And uh, oh, You yeah. think the it would people be, are not get very... better
1: in time, but...
0: yeah Yeah. and they're not very smart they're not uh,
1: (laughs) yeah they're not very intelligent with their hate i think and um (laughs) i I made a fatal mistake i commented on a news article the other day because uh so muhammad ali is from here and he's a he's an icon here obviously and uh, and we love him and like not only is like a talented athlete but he's like from a civil rights perspective he did more than just about anybody in the world in history ever here Mm -hmm. and uh he just he was it was just his his, uh, his tenacity and his mentality and just the way that he was, it was it's beautiful. So they were renaming our airport to the Muhammad Ali Airport now, as opposed to what it was before, which nobody even knows what it meant. So uh, mm-hmm. so I commented on a news article and I said that is so beautiful that we're doing this, and I'm so thankful that, that you guys are renaming it from Stanford Field to uh, the Muhammad Ali Airport. That's huge, you know. And I, I kind of listed mm-hmm. that, and then some lady goes on there and, and she's like an old lady and she's like. And obviously I'm from born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, and she said, mm-hmm. go back to your country <laughs> and then call me some derogatory or something. And, uh, and I just laughed. I said, you crazy old lady, I was born here or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and then like, what's scarier is that she had like 100 comments of support. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was so funny, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: It's really, uh, it's really weird. Cause I'm from very liberal area, uh, Cape Cod. And so, when i grew up like it was it wasn't a big deal someone was gay or any of this stuff but uh it so it's weird for maybe i should live a sheltered life but it is weird like the last few years like on social media and stuff i'll see people that are like hateful or uh big deal of you know gay people get married and all this stuff and to me it was like i didn't think anyone cared about this anymore unless they were like some backwoods you know hillbilly or something but uh, it's a lot more out there than than what you uh, than what the what I would like to. I think.
1: Oh yeah, welcome to Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not like yeah. that here, man. We uh, we're it, not like Kentucky great.
0: I, man. I I always I joke with Jason, you know. I was, I I when I went there I was like oh I'll probably see rebel flags flying everywhere <laughs> but no it was very cool and I did see one rebel flag but it was way out in the middle of nowhere on some old farm but
1: it was just one of them. <laughs> oh that's scary yeah that's scary man but no, uh, no, no. Kentucky's great man and um you know I had to, I told I so I posted the screenshot because I thought it was really funny um, because like literally like two weeks prior to me posting that I had shot Muhammad Ali's son's wedding which was like. A huge honor for me you know and he's he's the nicest guy in the whole world man and uh so i thought that was just so ironic so i posted like a screenshot of facebook uh of her comment and i said you know it's sad that this hate still exists or whatever you know i've told and called for and uh, and I, I told my friends uh because i blocked out her name i said please do not you know harass this old lady she doesn't need it you know you're not going to change your mind but they did you know like they jumped to my defense i told you they defend me and uh yeah. because they love me and I love them too. But um and so there was like it just I had to just delete everything. because 'cause I'm like, like, get it all out yeah. of here. I don't even need this negativity or hate or I don't want Muhammad Ali's son to yeah. be part of this at all in any way right, either. Yeah. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's that what so
0: I'm Not everything with Muhammad Ali's son, but that's usually what ends up if I it doesn't tap too much anymore. if I post something and it becomes a big or I'll just say, ah, I'd rather just not read this and then delete it. It might be funny yeah. for like a couple minutes, but then it just, just becomes ugly, and I just rather not, yeah. uh, rather not see it.
1: I'd rather be happy than right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. I agree, agree.
0: And I've been very, I've been. Uh, you mentioned my uh, weight loss and all stuff. So not only physically do I feel better than ever, but it really does help uh, mentally, your well-being. Uh, to- care of yourself and yeah. I'm probably the happiest I've been in, in, in uh, as far as I can remember so it's uh, I want that message out to people and also yeah. over the last three years have a lot of near-death experiences and um, so uh, no one out there is here forever and you mentioned like uh, your fought fa- your father so not only it's yourself but people you love aren't gonna be there forever so I do think it's always good to do stuff that you do love while you're here and you can and, uh, be with people that you enjoy being with, uh, cause you never know when there'll be a time you can. not
1: Oh yeah. I agree, man. It's so important to document all that stuff and make memories. My friend Rahul, um, he always says that he's, he's big on making memories, you know, and I think that's so important because our time here is very limited, you know? And uh, like you said, man, you're, I mean, you're, you're working hard, you know, to, to just live life, you know? And, um, my daughter, she, she said, dad, what do you want for your birthday? And, uh, cause my birthday just passed. Um, and I said, honey, mm-hmm. I, I have everything I want. I'm just, I'm praying that, you know, a God out there will give me just a, a few more years to enjoy it. That's all. That's all I wish for. And she mm-hmm. is, it, she it brought tears to her eyes, but I'm, that's the truth, man. Like my dad died very young. So I just wish that, you know, me and you and everybody just has a chance to live life just a little bit more. That's all.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we touched on the gore. Let's, uh, what we're serious here. Let's bring it back to some uh, fun. It's, uh, it's, uh, we touch on the gore, but uh, what was it like to film the gore scene? So you grew up watching horror movies, and now you're filming your own gore scenes. That's has to be a good time. Oh,
1: It's my favorite thing in the whole world. So Vincent Guastini, you know, he's uh, he's the best, man. So, like, he brings in his body parts, you know, silicone, real body parts, and and uh, he's like, here's, here's, the, here's everything is, you know, and he dresses it up for me. And, dude, when I saw that man, my friend Steve Squall got a picture of me and I'm holding like some arms and they feel like <laughs> I've never felt somebody's arm in my hand like that. And it feels like it would feel like, and it was so freaking crazy, you know, so cool that that's going to be in our movie and how good they look, man. Oh my God, it was just amazing. <laughs> so dude, doing that, man, and, and we were so pressed for time, you know, that like we only had a, uh, everything that we shot was pretty much like one or two takes. Like that was it. We didn't have any time because in order to have more time, you need more money. And uh, so we, we just took like one or two cracks at most of it. But the gore, we really tried to like lend enough time to man. And, and it's brutal, man. It's so, I love it. I love it. We have some stuff that I had not seen in film before in that movie. And, uh, and I'm hoping that it at least resonates with people, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So how has the, um, what's the feedback been like for, for one must fall?
1: Oh, it's been great, man. there was um so Austin uh, I mean Jason gave us a really I, I know an Austin Menton too, by the way, but a Jason Minton gave us a really great review that was awesome. the headless critic, if uh those of you who know Jason, and then we had one uh, Myron happy wax, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, uh, forgive me, but um, but he posted like an eleven minute uh, review where he's just raving about the film, and I didn't pay this guy, you know, and he has no reason. And he even says it in the reviews. Like, I have no reason to, to, to do this, to, to give this guy a positive review. I ha- I don't know this person. He's like, I have ripped films before on this show and people have not talked to me ever again because I did that. And he's like, but, and then he just, he went all out and he, he loved the film, man. And it was so cool. And I was so thankful for it. And then Danny Wynn and, uh, Amiri King and Lloyd Kaufman and morbidly beautiful. And like all these amazing sites have just given us reviews. And so far, I think, um, we hadn't gotten uh, when when they when they rate us one to ten. We have not gotten mm-hmm. 108 yet, which is uh, I I, can't, I know oh, it's coming one day, but at least for right now, I can you know bask in the moment and enjoy it that it hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> we've been very lucky.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, what are the plans to do with One Must Fall
0: uh, after the festival like uh, run?
1: I think that um, hopefully we get picked up by a distribution company. Um, a friend of mine. Uh, Major Dodge, he he did a film called Bomb City uh, that is amazing. He sent our uh, our film to a big distributor uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he said that they're like I think they're going to can, They're doing something big, and that they have they have to watch it like next month. But um, but it's a big one, a really big one. And then Alex Ferrari helped me a lot, like with uh, distributors, and there's been a bunch of others who have approached us and stuff. But I'm waiting until we get a little bit more festival buzz, um, and mm-hmm. I hope that that happens. But if we're lucky enough for that to happen, then maybe, um, you know, then maybe we can get a decent offer and I can get it on VOD platforms and stuff and Mm -hmm. get it out there to people as soon as possible. But, um, if I got to wait too long, man, I'm just going to like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I (laughs) thought about even like doing it to where like uh, you just pay whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah. Pay whatever you want for the movie and then a dissolvable link or something. I don't know, but we, we've talked a lot about a, a bunch of different strategies and, um, got some really, really, really good business people in my corner, man, and uh, they're not going to let me screw up, so I'm so thankful for that. But, um, but I think, you know, just hoping that I get through the festival circuit a little bit more so that people, audiences in other cities and states can see the film, and then hoping that it gets picked up for uh, by a distributor so that I can go on VOD and they can push it. So the ones that have approached mm-hmm. me so far are, uh, are not really in a situation where they can, um, you know, push the film without a lot of, added money you know so we're looking for somebody who has like a big platform a lot of followers a lot of social media uh, following to be able to push us you know where we need to be i think yeah
0: yeah that's good because uh, you know have a lot of independent uh movie makers on the show and uh even ones that you know went on to do you know other. so there may have been their third or fourth movie but almost all of them have this uh similar thing as they wish they would have uh not sign like the first distribution deal they got. Cause a lot of times, you know, it doesn't work out very well for them because you sign with someone, even if they might intend to do well and for a reason they can't, or they might not even really care and, you know, it doesn't uh, work well. So it's good to, uh, to know that going in, you know,
1: you, you have to, you have to be careful who you might sign with. You've got to be patient, man. I've heard, um, horror stories and, and maybe like a, a filmmaker who's listening now might take something from this, but basically, um, I've heard of distribution companies who will be like, hey, man, we'll take your film. We're going to sell it, and uh, and there's no marketing cap in their contract, right? So they'll take the film, and they'll go to like the, the Romanian market, for example, and they'll say, okay, so here's $100,000 in receipts. Um, we didn't sell the film. You owe us this $100,000. Here's the receipts to prove it. Um, so you're in the red, uh, but we will sell it eventually, and then they're already straight out the gate, $100,000 in the red. And yeah, they have the receipts to prove it. But they also have like six hundred movies in their catalog that they're charging the same hundred thousand dollars to, you know. And then like at the end of the day, like you just got pitched with six hundred other films, and this distribution company is charging all of those films that. And that's that's an arbitrary number. It could be twenty thousand mm-hmm. or ten thousand, but it happens right. daily. You know Where, yeah, they did wine and dine a bunch of people and pay for a bunch of hotels and pay for travel and pay for meetings or whatever, but they're charging all of their movies in their catalog, and that's what these distribution companies are doing. Mm-hmm. That's why when I talk to a lot of them and I know this stuff, they get very intimidated because they're like, they don't even send me the literature anymore. Like After I mm-hmm. like get on the phone call with them and we have this kind of discussion, they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll just send you blah, 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 blah. They don't. They don't ever send it to me because… I'm a little too self-aware, you know, in this situation that they're like, well, I definitely ain't going to take advantage of this guy. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and they're not, man. And that's the same with Michelle Ayantuanu. She, she just got her film distributed and she's very smart. She's very sharp. Nobody's going to take advantage of her, you know? But, um, Mm -hmm. and and it's not always like that. Maybe there's sometimes they're just smaller distribution companies who really like your film and they're going to push it really hard. But, you know, and they're, they're, they're not, you know, out for like, to screw you over or anything like that, but it Mm -hmm. just might not be the best fit for your film, even though you like their titles and their catalog, it just might Mm -hmm. not be the best Mm -hmm. fit. But just like the music industry, man, like whenever you hear somebody got a distribution deal, you're like, yeah, but were you profitable? You know, that's, that's, were you profitable or no? And are the people on that label profitable? Because if the answer is no, then you're still like working your day job. You know, you're not, you're not a full-time filmmaker. So that's the vision—is that I can become, I can do this, you know, a few times a year to be a full-time filmmaker. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I believe terrible Troy has uh, joined us. I have. I snuck in through the back way.
1: He did. <laughs>
4: What's up, my I brother? Will say he was here. <laughs> All is well. How about with you,
1: man? Better not deserve, man. <laughs> you know.
4: <laughs> I like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah i will
0: say troy was here earlier but i i did not see his message that he had arrived so i, I blame myself no worries
4: boss no worries
0: yeah it's all good <laughs> so uh where where can you follow yourself and where can you follow one must fall if people want to you know find out uh you know what festival's going to be at and you know all the news
1: Oh, thank you so much um so you can find me anywhere. Uh, you just search my name. It's it's a difficult one to spell, but you can find it in the title of this podcast. If you are searching it, nice. Antonio Pantoja. And um, and if anybody were to need anything ever, um, if you have any questions about anything or you know about the process or any way that I can possibly help you, uh, especially if you're local, but even if not, if it's you know we're just friends on the interwebs, you can hit me up anytime, and I'm more than happy to help you in any possible way that I can. So find me, hit me up, got questions. I'm happy to answer anything, hundred percent transparency. And then as far as one must fall, um, I've built an Instagram for it. Haven't posted to it yet. So we're on Facebook. So it's Facebook one must fall and you can find the trailer there and stuff like that. The trailer, like it it, it did really well. Like I posted on my personal page and I don't have like a ton of social media engagement, but it got 200,000 hits on my personal page.
3: So like people are
1: looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I was very lucky, but I couldn't believe it. Did you create the trailer? Yes, I cut the trailer myself. Yeah, I cut yeah. the trailer. Yeah, because, thank you so much. Honestly, That's so kind of you.
0: Yeah, and uh, I did not see your photography till like, we were doing the show here. and Then I was I was looking at it, and uh, I think because you have such a well, honestly very really artistic eye for the photography, it's awesome. I was looking at some of IMDb and stuff, so I think that really helped in the trailer, the look of the trailer because a oh, similar man. vibe to
1: it. Yeah. Oh man, thank you so much, man. Um I think that, you know, like uh my photography didn't really bleed into uh One Must Fall a lot. And uh there's not a lot of things I would do differently with One Must Fall. It is what it is, you know. I love I love it. I'm so proud of it. But uh but I think the new film it's gonna be inspired by a lot of that that photography, that very ethereal, um crazy artistic, you know, fantasy kind of stuff. That will that will be uh more of the next film since it's more emotional than one must fall. One must fall is just entertaining and fun.
0: Mm-hmm. very cool well
1: i look forward to uh to that i
0: actually look forward i'm gonna go and watch some of your shorts that that are up on the website
1: oh man thank you that's so cool of you man haunted pine valley is pretty funny and we just wrote and did all that and uh 48 hours just so for the 48 hour film project so you write it yeah. one night you know you only have like a few hours to write it and then you yeah. wake up the next day and you shoot it all day then you don't sleep so you, you, you stay up for 48 hours and you freaking edit <laughs> the thing but um but so right. that's by that time, you're like delirious. So, um, so I had a bunch uh, of friends help me, Teresa Cross, and a bunch <laughs> of others. But, um, so uh, basically, you can, you can, you can check that out. But, but I just know that I was delirious, like when I had to turn that thing in. And <laughs> <Sure enough. laughs> old
0: you know, people check out one must fall if it's uh, playing at a festival near you. And I recommend going to the festivals anyway. Uh, if it's something you have not done before, uh, wherever you are, there's probably one somewhere near you. And it's it's totally worth checking out for the movies, for hanging out with, meeting people. There's all kinds of uh, great experiences with the film festivals.
1: Yep, I agree. You'll have the best time of your life, and I promise you that. You'll meet your new family at those festivals. Yeah, Yeah. very good.
0: And so uh, it was great having you on, Antonio. And we'll do it again when the next movie comes out.
1: And thank you, Troy. Neil, it was a huge honor. I'm such a huge fan of the show, so just can't explain how uh, how thankful I am that you would even consider bringing me on here, right? You know, after the Hoff. You know what I'm saying? Like that's crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, man. Seriously, a huge honor, and I can't wait to hear like uh, episodes in the future, man. You just uh, you're a huge inspiration to me in more ways than one, and a huge fan of the show. And thank you for uh, granting me my, my weight loss journey as well, because watching <laughs> you has been really inspirational. Yeah, that's been pretty
0: well. Wild. I appreciate all that yeah Yeah. Thanks. well thank you thank you Trevor. yeah yeah it's been great thank having you guys so much for here. having me. i know people dig the show and you're very well sharp you're very sharp dressed man which which uh, i like as well i gotta <laughs> get back to where in the uh, uh, I used to wear like a lot of ties and top hats and stuff. I gotta get back to that. I think. And they'll have to buy all new ones because, well, not just yeah. ties, but
1: uh, uh the <laughs> or and hats. The top hats.
2: You're, you're or know, hats. The truth, yeah, You know, what's
1: funny? I, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you something funny about that photo, man. Is uh, I never, I never like dressed like that ever. But I took that photo <laughs> in my backyard, and uh, and like I have, my neighbor was like outside when I'm doing that, and I like set up the backdrop <laughs> and all that and whatever. And I've got on basketball shorts and slippers. And then I have all the time. Dude. And, uh, and I was so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Man. So that, that, that,
0: that's
1: it. that's what really happened there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. well, that makes it even better, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe
0: that'll be my look. I'll just wear boxer shorts and a tie and a shirt. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs>
1: all right brother thank you so much man i appreciate it big time and huge honor to be on here man thank you big time that means the world well we wish you're
0: welcome and yeah very good all right we'll talk to you soon have a good night talk soon later Here at the station of decapitation Without your head I'm still Nasty Neil, And I remain
4: terrible Troy
0: Huge uh, thank you To Antonio Pantoja Coming on That was a great time
4: Oh seemed like a super super good guy
0: Yeah he's awesome
4: Awesome Good stuff of good stuff. All right. And so that was so, his first full length movie, right? Yeah, he's done
0: yeah. done some shorts and uh, his first uh feature. It's out there at the festivals. I really dug it. Uh Mr. Mitten Headless Critic gave it a, a great review. So uh hopefully uh, hopefully Jason and Antonio some point in time uh they're both in Kentucky. Maybe they can get together, or go eat some uh, some uh, hot brown, or, or uh, get some bourbon, or hillbilly hot dogs, or whatever's going on. <laughs> no, they really hillbilly hot dogs. What is that? I think that's in West Virginia. Oh, hillbilly hot dogs. There might be one in Kentucky too. I don't know.
4: Well, what is it an actual thing, or did you just make it a- up? Uh, uh, no, it's a real, real place. Oh. Oh, okay. So it's not like an individual item. It's it's an actual
0: place. Oh, it's it's, it's like a, yeah, it's like a, well, I don't know if it's quote unquote restaurant, but it's an eatery called Hillbilly Hot Dogs. Oh, well, it's kind of nifty. Let me look it up. Hillbilly Hot Dogs. Let's see what the special is. I'm sure everyone listening, they're, they're really, I guess apparently Hillbilly Hot Dogs was on uh, dinner, oh. d- the diners, drive-ins, and dives at one point. No I'm kidding. gonna guess he thought it was amazing.
4: Oh yeah, Guy Fieri, of course. Yeah,
0: you can't trust someone who thinks everything's amazing.
4: That's true. Everything's taking you to flavor, <laughs> flavor town. or whatever flavor town. Yeah. yeah,
0: the pound town or something. But yeah, <laughs> it's like some stuff has to suck, or at the, not even suck. Okay, maybe these. Maybe he's lucky in every diner, drive-in, or dive he's been in. Has been good, but there's got to be some stuff that's okay. There's not yeah. everything is.
4: It's going to be spectacular everywhere you go.
0: Yeah, it's possible. Bunch yeah. of bullshit.
4: Not everything's the best thing you've ever eaten.
0: Exactly, exactly. A lot of those shows are the same way, and and the reverse of that. I love uh, Gordon Ramsay, but his show <laughs> when he's when he's fixing up the the restaurants. Not every, there could not be everything he eats is like inedible and disgusting.
4: <laughs> not everything tastes like dog food.
0: Right. It can't be
4: everything.
0: Now I'm, some of the stuff I saw, I probably, there probably was, but some of the stuff was probably just not very good. Right. But right. not everything had it just been like total trash. How was the place ever even open at all? At <laughs> all. How many times have you had like, you went to a restaurant and the stuff was like, inedible and just disgusting it made you like vomit or i mean that's very rare
4: ever. maybe once. yeah
0: no, right i mean i've been to places where it's bad and i don't want to go again
4: oh yeah yeah we've been to some of those i remember some of those right
0: so my, my point is there's there's a middle ground here and and i have i value your not that i don't value his opinion but I do think your opinion's a little more on the up and up. If some things are very, or some things can be great, that's awesome. But some things, at the very least, are just good. Not yeah. everything is the fucking balls.
4: <laughs> yep, or the just the crappiest thing in the world.
0: Right. Which brings me to my new rating system, Troy. Forget oh. how Billy hot dogs they just. All right. Uh, the new rating system. So, you know, I want to be unique. Everyone does, you know, stuff. Whatever. So I'm gonna just start giving five all for everything. So, so on the surface, you're gonna think, "Well, our, didn't you just like rally against this, like, yeah. what, what the hell?" But what's gonna change is not the actual rating, but the the rating, uh, the uh, what it's out of. So like, okay. all so. right, this movie gets five out of five, so it's fucking awesome. Right? Maybe right. I'll see. Movie that's not—it's not bad, so it gets five out of nine. Ah, I say, I say, maybe it's really shitty, so it's five out of a hundred.
4: Oh, all right, all right. I'm I'm liking where you're going here. Maybe it just
0: surpasses uh, any movie I've seen. It's like Goodfellas or Taxi Driver. Then it gets like a five out of three.
4: Oh, all right. I like it. I like it. This will work. I like it too. It's
0: the new system. And then, as you br- brought up, then then you know, it's I'm wel- welcoming welcoming people. They can put on their poster or Facebook, wherever it is, and say five. Uh, Neil, yep. Nasty
4: Neil. Nasty Neil gave gave my movie five stars. They don't need right. to go into specifics that it was
0: exactly. five out of fifty. Five. Right. 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 As long as I get quoted.
4: That's right, that's right. See, and so, that, that wins for everybody.
0: Right. It's a way to get quoted and to keep my honesty. And yeah. so people still buy my opinion. He's not lying. He's not just saying everything's perfect. So it wins, like you said, it wins for everybody.
4: And I, not, I've heard no it really lying. that you are mm-hmm. the most honest man on, uh, on the internet.
0: Yeah, the most honest man. In podcast in all of podcasting, all not
4: just for podcasting. podcasting. That's yeah, right. Not just r-
0: wrestling podcasting. All of podcasting. <laughs> so if I say it it's true. In my it, well, it's true within my mind.
4: Okay. Even if you're delusional.
0: Right. Well there, there's truth. Okay. So here this is a thing in in, in the world now. There is all right. So there's there's a fact and an opinion. This is something you learned, like or you used to learn, and I don't know, maybe you don't learn anymore, but <laughs> you used to learn in, uh, in elementary school. There's a difference between fact and opinion. So, you know, the, the sky's blue, it's a fact. Two plus two equals four, that's a fact. Uh, yep. This tastes bad, bad, that's an opinion. Mm-hmm. You can't, that can't be wrong. Yep. So, Guy Fieri, maybe Guy Fieri does think everything tastes great. So he's not wrong because it's his opinion. Okay. But now that line is blurred. To now, you can have an opinion that a fact is is incorrect. Not yeah. even that. It goes beyond that. You, you can your opinion could be infactual, but it's okay because it's your opinion. So you could say the world is flat. No, that's alright. That's his opinion. No, no, it's false.
4: Sure, <laughs> <Is he> are right. <laughs>
0: It's an incorrect so fact.
4: Opinion. It's not his opinion. So this sounds too much like um, fake news and stuff to me.
0: Right. It, 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 I see, I see this everywhere. It's like, well, it's my opinion, so it's fine. But but it's not. If your opinion is just an, in, an incorrect fact, then you're yeah. you're wrong. It's no longer your opinion.
4: If your opinion is you can drink bleach and suffer no ill effects, then you're mistaken.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's no longer an opinion. Yep. It's a fallacy. It's incorrect. You can't can't be your opinion that two plus two equals six.
4: Right, right. Then you're just kind of a dope, I guess.
0: Exactly. And you're wrong. Right, it's a weird world we live in now. I like it, so I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna try to bring everyone back to reality. You can disagree with us. True. You might be, you know, a goofball for doing that, but, but I'm trying to teach people to not be such dipshits.
4: (laughs) I like that. Yep. Yeah, and that's the difference between, you know, opinion and fact as well. Right. Our opinion is that, you know, right. you are you may be a dipshit if you right. have some yeah. crazy... So
0: I get added opinion. Here's another thing at this. I get added to all these uh, Facebook groups, which is fine, okay? I'm not someone who bitches about that. I know yep. people are like, oh, my God, you know, Billy Siever added me to his group. Who cares? That's what Facebook <laughs> is. It's just... You don't yep. want any interaction with anyone. Stay off Facebook.
4: Yeah, that's probably what are you best doing
0: bet. with? It? Right.
4: So they Unless added me just like something. you know stroking off to like you know foxy people on. The-
0: right. Yeah. Like, like former host here, Jittery John. He uses it to, <laughs> you know, to, to go the women. Which is whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Allegedly.
4: Alleg- Allegedly. Okay.
0: That makes it, in my opinion. So the uh, so where was. Like, oh, so they add you to these groups. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine by me. I'm not, not gonna complain. I'm not gonna yeah. to be honest, I've I been see added people to a make uh, bizarre
4: groups too.
0: Yeah. I you know what if I don't want to be there, I go there and I
4: hit leave. Right, exactly. It's pretty easy to do.
0: Yeah, it's I see people make a post or like, you know, this uh you know Jill added me group about blah 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 and oh my god you know the end of the world and (laughs) my life is over uh, yeah it's it's my trust and I didn't it's like by the time you write this big bullshit that uh, you know you're trying to get people to like and say hell yeah you go you could have just hit unfollow or leave the group (laughs) it would take time you wouldn't have got yourself all worked up you wouldn't have got likes for it, though. I guess.
4: Yeah, that's but, true. That's
0: true. So if you actually are bad about it for whatever reason, just leave it. It's it's going to be a lot less uh, grief in your life.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's not like trying to leave the uh, like the Disney Movie Club, which right. I think takes an act of Congress to do. Right. I don't think you so can let's, simply let's, just tell them I want to leave the Disney Movie Club. 'Cause you can't right. do that.
0: Yeah. Right. All right. So sorry, so you're out of these groups. Fine. What well, that's that's not my point. That's fine. So you're out of this group. But then you gotta sometimes you gotta read a lot of shit. I so, <laughs> so I'm reading it. It's probably my own fault to even read some of the stuff people post. But in these movie groups, it comes up every day, multiple times a day. Someone be like, Is uh is this movie worth watching? I've heard, you know, conflicting, you know, some sub- whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's always annoying to me. Sometimes it's some obscure movie, so at least there's a little bit of, like, why they're asking. But, I was like, so they're asking, like, basically complete strangers for their opinion, <laughs> like, on a, sometimes it'll be, like, some slasher from 1982. It's like, should I watch Pieces? Is oh, okay. it worth watching? And- then people are like, well, I think da 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 and like, no, it's blue blue blue. And it's like <laughs> shut up and just
2: watch the movie. <laughs> yep.
0: Then you could then you could actually partake in the discussion of the movie. Then you could be like, Well, I hated it, I loved it, I liked it, I disliked it, I thought it was alright, this could have done better. Uh, I only last you maybe you only even you, you don't have to even finish it. Maybe you said, Well, I only lasted ten minutes, I didn't like it. Whatever. Yep. But just the idea of like you're so like such so, such a dullard <laughs> that like you you can't just go and watch a movie. You have to ask other people's opinions if it. So then you're going to base your opinion of even just watching the movie based on like these other people. <laughs> on a what stranger's opinion, right? So do you just pick out random people? You like, or do you do <laughs> go through and do you like? Well, fifteen people said yes. 12 people said, no, so do it. Or how where are you basing this idea? So forget all that. Just watch a movie, then post about the movie and then have a discussion about the movie. I like that.
4: That solves a lot of problems. Yeah.
0: Not this bullshit. Try it. And then, cause it's all about like, well, I don't want to waste my time. You're not, you're posting on the Facebook About watching pieces from 1982, whatever the hell is made, the strangers, you don't, you don't have, you look, you, you don't, your time's not that valuable. You wouldn't be doing that if you had all this stuff going on in life. So stop the bullshit. Your time's not that valuable. You're just some goof like myself (laughs) on the, in the internet. Wasting yep. time or, or having fun. I don't even know it's, like it's a waste of time. And you're going to watch some old movie. Who gives a shit? Just watch it. And then you tell if you like it or not.
4: That's true. Like, you're probably only out, even if you hate the movie, you're out an hour and a half, maybe.
0: Right. Or let's say you don't even watch it all. There's
4: I didn't oh, watch yeah.
0: movies. I don't watch because uh, I hate them. So I'm like, well, <laughs> fuck <laughs> it. I'm you get a half
4: on. an hour in and yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: And you're like done, the, you move on of to the, the next
0: thing. Yeah, like I I don't want to, I don't care what happens to these people in Suicide Squad. <laughs> so, that, I've had enough of it.
4: Yep.
0: And then I could go, then I could have a real opinion about it. Then I could have a real opinion about it. Because I'm not going to go say a movie sucks if I've not seen it. Unless I'm trying to be funny like Shazam. <laughs>
4: Which you may go see this weekend.
0: I'm going to go see it. I because pro- there's people tell me that it's good, and it's not just you know morons.
4: <laughs> just random people, just
0: yeah, it's people that like I that actually you like like real movies. Opinion. Yeah, because let's face it, not even just morons. There are people out there with no discernible taste. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of them used to used to host the show. He just loved everything. <laughs> I mean part of it was she I think she allegedly all through that in there. She was probably trying to sleep with like the the makers of the stars of the movie. So she she just loved everything. Yep. But and uh <laughs> and so so it's like but at that point like you can't really trust their opinion.
4: No they're then telling it's like me, you the know. reverse Ramsey. It's like this is right. wonderful, this is great. Like, no, I've seen some of those movies and they were terrible.
0: Right. And it, in its opinion, so maybe you could say, Well, I just have a different opinion. But if you just the, like everything that happens is fantastic, then it's just you have no t- you have no discernible taste. Not necessarily yep. no taste. So I know people they'll just anything, even before it comes out, it's great. Anything that has an explosion in it, it's great. Yeah. What, whatever. Yep. So I'm not gonna take I'm not gonna take their opinion pro or con. I'm not gonna say, Well, they liked it, I won't go see it. I'll just be like, Well, they liked it, so that means
4: nothing. <laughs> yep. That means they liked it, end of story.
0: Right, right. Like they like everything else. So people that like have like uh, that have intelligence and and like I don't like everything. Have told me they liked the Shazam movie, but really. So I agreed to. I agreed to go see it. The thing is that the the ads, even just. Just the poster, every image of the movie makes me angry.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I got a bad feeling, Neil. This is kind of like when I warned you about Dumbo. Although you didn't have like, well, I didn't have, that, have that hatred bad Dumbo. feeling going into it. Uh-huh. You know, you had the the feeling. Well, you know, you had to know that a lot of those things were the case, like the fact that you don't like most. Children's movies, and you don't like most uh, Tim Burton movies. And I don't
0: like a lot of movies about elephants.
4: And you don't like uh, movies with a lot of CGI in them. Oh, no. It's, and that movie had all three of those things.
0: <laughs> it did. It did.
4: So I was, I was a little shocked that you were going to see that one in the first place.
0: Right. Yeah, I was wrong. I'm not gonna say it was the worst movie. It was just worthless. It was a worthless movie. <laughs> Even beyond that, though, because like I, it may be a worthless movie, but you can enjoy. was like oh, it was oh, like an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This was just worthless and boring and pointless. I'm, I'm not gonna be those assholes and say like oh, it's an hour and a half of my time, but we'll get back. Screw that. What else was I gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, Was a place solitaire on Facebook.
4: <laughs> yeah, because you'll make up for it by watching zero you know, another movie at another time. So I mean, like, if it's a great right. movie coming up,
2: I'm you know, we'll see play. that too.
4: It's not like you have a limited amount of movies you can watch.
0: And this this time doesn't like like so they think like okay, the end of my life is here. So <laughs> somehow, if I didn't watch all these movies, I'd have like another twelve hours of life. I mean, where where does this time go? You know, it doesn't just add. It's it's foolishness. So, what the hell was I even talking about? Shazam! So Shazam,
4: I, yeah. I see, but this bu- one the, you're the, going in like already thinking you're not going to like it,
0: right? So it could it could it could surprise me. I'll be honest. Yeah, sure. I'll be honest. If it, oh, yeah. I like it, I'll say it. Yeah. So, uh, but the like, he's got this, this horrible suit, like, so outdated and, and foolish looking, and fake muscles, yeah. and then the fucking blow, uh, blowing a bubble. And I don't know why, even, but that just makes me pissed. Does it really? <laughs> yeah. See that bubble? I think that's the worst part. He's got this big bubble gum bubble in his. It's like, oh my God! Like, this is just—I don't know. If like, from, if some by some miracle, like I, I don't walk out of the movie, I like think I can finish it. And from like an act of of God Himself, like somehow God even exists. <laughs> maybe I'll believe in God if I enjoy yeah, myself.
4: Yeah, if you read that movie, going, "Holy shit! I love that movie." Okay,
0: but I'll be honest. I will tell everyone my honest opinion of the movie. I'm, I think I'm going to live stream it on Facebook. I'll, I'll do it before and an after. The, the after could be like ten minutes. I don't know, but or it could be. You know, I could watch the whole thing. It'd be so great. I felt like I got to watch it again.
4: Yeah, that now that would be amazing. I'm I'm willing to bet money against that, though.
0: Yeah, that's probably. If anybody probably wants very... to
4: take that wager, I think um, I think I'll take that.
0: Uh huh. So then, there we go. Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> you might be thinking now to the interview, this is this is 20 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. And I say, fuck that. You, get no, you got nothing better to do.
4: That's true. You could be multitasking. You could listen to the show and do something else.
0: Right. You're rubbing your your, your balls or something. Like that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was thinking, of you know, like painting your masterpiece. But you could be doing that too.
0: That's very true. I did recently listen to a podcast while I was walking. I don't, I didn't like it. I nope. prefer the music. You know? Okay. You don't have to pay attention to the, because to, I feel like you're going to pay attention to it more. I don't know. Maybe if I was listening to this show, would be different. Cause I'd be like, hell yeah, these guys rule.
4: Yeah, that's true. That would be a different thing then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I don't know what, That we're talking about. Let's talk about Shazam.
4: uh, I was just going to say on the point of the bubblegum thing is, Mm -hmm. uh, actually, i got two things on that. One being, Mm -hmm. um, you do know that, like, I think you know because you've seen the trailer, that Uh you know, it's a Billy Batson's a little kid and then he turns into Captain Marvel. So, that's probably the whole bubblegum thing.
0: Is he just Really called Shazam in this
4: movie. Uh well Shazam is is what he says because like it's is that an acronym where you take like a letter from each thing? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so.
4: So he's got the wisdom of, of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the something of some other buddy named A. And on and on until you get... He's got something of Zeus. Don't ask me what Zeus has. Mm -hmm. So it all spells out Shazam. And that's what he says to become Captain Marvel in the comic book.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. And uh, why everybody else doesn't hear him do that and then just start saying Shazam themselves, I don't know. Uh
0: Now, is it this... Is it, did they just get it from Gomer Pyle on uh, on Andy Griffith? Which I, came first, Gomer, Gomer Pyle I, or, or Captain Marvel?
4: I think Captain Marvel, I think it's an older DC thing, I think it might be from the 40s. Oh, really? I think I may be wrong on that one. I am not like the expert on the DC uh scenarios, yeah, but. Ooh.
0: Damn.
4: But I think, I think Omer Pyle probably got it from, from Captain Marvel.
0: Mm-hmm. Today, they'd probably sue over that.
4: Yeah, they probably would. I'm just saying that this is kind of, um, an educated guess because I know that, uh, Captain Marvel was like spoofed on the, the old, uh, Mad back when it was still a comic book before it became a magazine, so that would have been the mm-hmm. 50s, so it would mm-hmm. have had to be before that,
0: right? Right, so he was always a goofy kid in the comic, too.
4: I think when he became Captain Marvel, he was Captain Marvel. I don't think he had the mind of Billy Batson, uh huh. I, I think it was more like, um. Like in the old uh, Marvel comics of Thor, when uh, Don Blake would smack the his walking stick down and become Thor, he would actually All become right. Thor. He wouldn't still have the mind of uh, oh, of Doctor Blake,
0: right? You nice. know,
4: <laughs> that's what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah, that's such a goof. That's <laughs> Damn, <laughs> freaking Trace. Shazam! So, it's thirty-nine. Neil, it came out. So, oh yeah. damn! So he's been around for a while.
0: We're gonna get a, a contrasting view here because on the line is Robbie Scar, and I'm sure he's gonna defend Shazam. Oh. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not saying it's bad. It's just Robbie. What's going on? If you, if you hate, but I'm gonna. Uh-oh, he's cut, cut on, me he's or... cut oh, he's cutting up okay. on us, Robbie. Yeah, well, can, can you hear me now? Whoa,
4: yep, much, much better. Hello,
0: don't yeah, hate on them. Boss? Good,
4: good. Don't it's good hate on Robbie.
0: So, did you did you get did can you hear? see it? Uh, yes, I did, and it's great. All right, like I said, I heard a lot of people tell me this, so I'm gonna see it Sunday, and I will give my honest opinion. Excellent. Remember, where it's DC did, film and DC rules. It? Well. I would rank it. Where Where would you ra- Yeah. I would rank it
4: a little below uh, Suicide Squad. Ooh. Oh. Oh, that's not good. Well, I'm glad you're going to Just see a little it, bit. not me, then. Yeah. Uh, Just a little bit. I couldn't bit. finish Suicide oh. All right.
0: But I give it a score huh. of 8.5 out of 10 out Okay. That's pretty high on the Robbie yeah. Scar scale. That's right. It is good. But I'd like to suicide squad more. Mm. That's not a ring yeah. endorsement for me, but we'll we'll find out. We'll find out.
4: So what's yes, up what's will. going on? Going in the with world an open of there, yeah, c-
0: clearly nothing.
4: I am. Nothing much. Umbrella Academy Sound is good. awesome.
0: What was Burlesque Academy? Umbrella <laughs> that sounds Academy. pretty
4: awesome, actually.
0: Yeah. Oh, Burlesque
4: Academy. Academy. Yeah,
0: I I have not watched
4: Umbrella Academy, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. So have I. I've heard. I, I definitely want to check that out.
0: Yeah, it's on Netflix. It, it's really good. It's really good. Only ten oh. episodes too. What What's like the gist of it? What's going on? Here? It's like these these uh guy
3: these uh adults
0: with uh powers are trying to solve the murder of their adoptive father mm-hmm. so it's sort of a like an x men kind of idea. I'm not saying they copy anything, but it's it's kind of like that that vibe yeah but a little darker and um mm-hmm. they're also trying to like figure out what's gonna happen to the world on mm-hmm. a certain day. And so, it's pretty cool. Plus, there's a talking monkey. Well, that's always a positive. I do yeah, like monkeys. I
4: dig that. The, any kind of talking monkey, I'm down with.
0: Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Lancelot yep. Link.
4: <laughs> Secret Agent Chimp. Now mm-hmm. you're talking. I haven't thought yeah. of Lancelot Link in a million years.
0: Mm-hmm. Why? Why is? Why wasn't that ever remade?
4: I know. Well, you got to find no somebody that can do a Humphrey Bogart impression. That's true.
0: Yes, we do. <laughs> maybe, yeah, Maybe Terry Gilliam will make it.
4: Oh God, I hope so.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> man. Take oh, care. Well, we'll get. Oh, Robbie, thanks, thanks, Robbie. Good
4: to hear Good from to you. Good to hear from you.
0: Yeah. All right. peace.
4: You take care yeah. of yourself.
0: So for years, Troy, I was waiting to waiting to see this. <laughs> Wait to see Terry Gilliam's Don Quixote movie. Man, oh
4: yeah. Himself, Don Quixote. Well I all, think it started when we yep. saw the um um the documentary, right? Yeah,
0: Lost in La Mancha. Yep. Heartbreaking documentary. Yep. You see the, the joy at Terry Gilliam and all the passion and then it just all comes crumbling down. Yep. Fantastic documentary. Feel you don't feel good though. You feel a good at the beginning, then heartbreak.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely like very emotional and, um, regardless of how you feel on Gilliam, whether you love the guy, you hate the guy, whatever, when mm-hmm. you see that, you're like, you know, y- your heart goes out for him.
0: Yeah. So what then, you know, so the movie didn't get made, but they made a documentary and then, uh, for years he tried to get it going again, finally got it, uh, going, had it made, then there was like a lawsuit over who owned it. Then there was like the talk about like it would never even get released and then it finally gets released one day only uh, you know at the theaters so we were all pumped to go see it.
4: Oh yeah, Fathom Events who always does wonderful things. They uh you know, a lot of like either um limited release things or you know, whatever their story is they they'll put them out there so you can see them at least for a day or two and uh we love the the program, the whole thing. It's it's awesome. And so we're totally geeked. Can't wait to see this. I think we've been talking about it for, what, months?
0: Yeah, months. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we went in. Right away, the movie starts, and I was like, I hated it right to the beginning. <laughs> I was like, well, this is just the intro. Maybe it's it's going to get good here. It's going to get good when stuff gets going. Yeah. You just... Maybe this guy—you're probably—I guess you're not really supposed to like the the main guy. Was was what I was feeling. Yeah, that's, or that's anyone really.
4: Yeah, that's true because everybody's kind of a shithead. Nobody's mm. very like likable at all.
0: Mm. So as the movie progresses, my feeling never changed. I hated pretty much all of
4: it. <laughs> yep. And we were good because, like, the three of us went, and none of us really talked about it until what? About an hour into it, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe even yeah. a little later. And then it was kind of like, I don't know if I leaned over to you or you leaned over to me and said, you know, I kind of hate this so far.
0: I said the hated part, but you—you you brought when you start talking. It's because, all right. So this, the setup of the movie is um, is uh, the Darth Vader son there, grandson. <laughs> <damn laughs> yep.
4: Who's a good actor? I uh, like
0: him. Yeah, Adam Driver. Adam Driver is a good actor, and so he. Uh, so it sets. It starts off that he's making a Don Quixote movie, and apparently he had made a uh, made like one earlier in his career.
4: Yeah, it like a, a school film or something, like a yeah. college.
0: Right, and so he had made it with uh, like local like uh, villagers, not real actors. And, um, so, so, so they, he finds like a D de- someone selling like bootleg movies and one of them happens to be this college film, which is, you know, is strange. And so he's watching, he's got his memories and at some point he starts, uh, there's a whole subplot of, uh, you know, cause he's like a genius filmmaker they think, and the producer wants him to, uh you know, find his inspiration again to, to make this, you know, quality movie. And he thinks everyone
4: else is kind of like,
0: uh, you know, just like a jackass,
4: <laughs> yeah, which, which was kind of funny from the get go. Cause like you just assume that he's kind of jaded and he's made all these great movies. Cause like,
0: yeah, there's not yeah. really
4: any proof of it. Cause it's kind of like just a, just a deadbeat. And, and
0: yeah. I don't get, I don't know if he has made a, or he, Never made anything. I don't, I don't, really yeah, know, it was hard
4: to tell. Yeah, there and, is a reference also, that he's he gonna makes do commercials. that. Oh, yeah, like maybe they should have chosen an older actor, right? Because, like, he looks pretty young to be jaded and like just, you know, I'm burned out from you know all my years of maybe filmmaking. We assume, uh, hmm. I don't know.
0: So, so, so they, he finds like a D de- someone selling like bootleg movies and one of them happens to be this college film, which is, you know, is strange. And so he's watching, he's got his memories and at some point he starts, uh, there's a whole subplot of, uh, you know, cause he's like a genius filmmaker I think, and the producer wants him to, uh. You know, find his inspiration again to, to make this you know quality movie, and he thinks everyone else is kind of like, uh, you know, just like a jackass.
4: <laughs> yeah, which which was kind of funny from the get go because like you just assume that he's kind of jaded and he's made all these great movies because like
0: yeah, there's not yeah. really
4: any proof of it kind of like just a just a deadbeat. And, and
0: yeah, I don't get. I don't know if he has made a or he. Never made anything. I don't, I
4: don't, yeah, it was hard to tell. Yeah, there is a reference that he's gonna do that. Oh, yeah, like maybe they should have chosen an older actor, Because, like, he looks pretty young to be jaded and like just, you know, I'm burned out from you know all my years of maybe filmmaking. We assume, uh, Hmm. I don't know. A lot of it was kind of like just, you know, I guess left to you wh- whether, you know, you were supposed to just assume that that's this guy's backstory
0: mm-hmm.
4: and he wanted to get back to like, you know, when he loved making movies, which didn't even really seem like he did even when he made the college movie.
0: Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I don't give like the whole movie over This is the, the basic plot of And then so when... Um- he drives off at some. Well, there's another subplot with like he's having an affair with uh, the producer's uh, wife, and uh, he goes driving off, and then he finds the man who played Don Quixote in his college film, and now he's like you know a crazy man who actually thinks he is Don Quixote. So it's kind of it's kind of a play on Don Quixote because he's you know delusional, and uh, <laughs> the, re- the real Don Quixote thought he. Was you know a knight, and now this is you know uh, a guy who thinks he's Don Quixote. Yeah, he he's played like Don a Quixote shoemaker so, or something. Yeah. So that whole idea is kind of interesting, I guess. But um, and there's some good. There are some good visuals. There's a lot of good visuals in the movie. It looks. Yeah, good. it's a pretty mo-
4: movie. It, it's pretty yeah. to watch.
0: Yeah, which well, all Gilly movies that are interesting to, to view. Yeah. And so, um. There's also a young girl in the, uh, that was in the movie who was 15 at the time. And she leaves like a message on his camera that she's in love with them. And, and so he finds her at some point too. So the, the point was, so he finds, you know, the Don Quixote guy and then he finds the, the, well, before that, he finds the father of the girl and he remembers. Remembers him and knows that he's the father of the girl, and asks him where Don Quixote is and stuff. The actor, and then, then when he f- meets the girl, he acts like he has no memory of her, even though she's she remembers him, which makes absolutely no sense <laughs> because <laughs> they just set up that he remembered her because he he even remembers your father, but doesn't now. But now all of a sudden he doesn't remember her.
4: Yeah, he remembers everybody else. From you know his college yeah. film, and he even but then talked he meets about her. her he's right there. Yeah, and, and, and then even that say that was the first the date
0: they met and everything.
4: I think that was the first uh, thing I actually commented on in the movie. Yes, yes, because it really annoyed me.
0: Yes, there's a lot of just wandering around with you know the old crazy man and him and some really bad just real bad comedy uh, just a very embarrassing scene that <laughs> i don't know seems that like it kind of seems like it out of, and i love looney tunes cartoons but it seems like something that would have happened in like an old bugs bunny cartoon
4: yeah yep
0: but at then it would have been more topical but so there's a reference to eddie cantor
4: who was yep. like
0: a, a sick the 30s
4: yeah back way way back in the day yep
0: and it's like, like, I didn't say Decanter De- or something. I said Eddie Cantor, And I was like, what the fuck? And then he goes on to like start singing and doing jazz hands. And like, so this is a guy that's like in his 20s in 2019 <laughs> making Eddie Cantor references. And then like other people are supposed to know what the fuck he's talking about.
4: Yep. And then like four old people in the audience like got a kick out of that. It was yeah, like, okay.
0: Some yeah, like their 80s. Yeah.
4: I was like, what the
0: hell is going on? That was honestly embarrassing. Because I love uh, Terry Gilliam, but my lord.
4: Yeah, that was... It, I, this movie just confused me. More than anything. I just didn't really understand, like... What it was aimed at. Yeah, what it was aimed at, or what what fun he thought it was going to be for the audience. Like... It was kind of a feel bad movie and there really the wasn't off. much redemption. It was just
0: no. bad. Yeah, the redemption is madness, which I don't think <laughs> is redemption.
4: <laughs> no, that's I don't, I don't really Yeah. That's not so good. Yeah. So nobody it's like really the gets what they is wanted. Yeah,
0: the message except is except
4: for the rich old brick. You know, like he gets yeah. what he wants. That's that's about it.
0: There's this, it's, this crazy Russian like billionaire, who's they're trying to get to finance a movie. I guess, I guess that's the whole point. Of him.
4: Yeah, everything's he's just so like vague in this movie.
0: Yeah, and so it's just insane. It has this giant like mansion, like not even a mansion, like a giant like castle, like castle, a modern day castle. castle. And I guess you, a lot of it is supposed to be confusing because then you don't know what's real and what isn't. So you're getting kind of in the mindset of Don Quixote where you're. You know, you don't know what's real anymore, which I guess in a way is kind of neat, but it's not, it's not done well at all. No, no. And I don't understand why this is in the movie because it seems like it's like hundreds of years ago, but it's modern day and there's all these people dressed yeah, up. Yeah, i there's in, hundreds
4: of villagers costumes. running around and stuff. Or, yeah. I assume they're villagers. And why does he have to be Russian?
0: Yeah. And why is the dude Russian? I don't know. <laughs>
4: And a guy that we thought was financing the thing because he called him the boss and everything, suddenly he's kowtowing to like this billionaire Russian guy who's just a complete asshole.
0: Yeah, and every and all all the I'm not someone who's always like, oh, this is very misogynist to the but the women characters in this movie are horrible. They are two major ones, and both of them are just obsessed with this dude. Who's an mm-hmm. asshole to both of them? Yeah. And the one's just like an evil seductress, and the other one's just like this lovesick, you know, moron well, who's also who like moron. gives up everything. Who yeah, gives up everything.
4: Yeah,
0: to love some who to love different people who don't love her, or I guess though he does at some point, but it's never really established why, and it's not like, there's no, like, uh, there's no chemistry or anything. Like, mm. the whole, the whole romance is, like, not believable in any way.
4: No, no. Yeah, because she's, like, uh, um, you know, the prostitute for this billionaire guy, but then she secretly loves this other guy, and yeah, it was yeah, just then a big just hot, hot mess. mess.
0: Yeah, then there's a some- a lot of weirdness because like he met her when she's 15. So yep. it's like, is he like a, I'm not, not saying he's a pet, but still like a
4: creep. Yeah. At least creepy. at least. Yeah.
0: Right. It's, I didn't get it. I didn't like it at all. And then I don't want to give away the ending, but the ending's awful. And it's, it, it, <laughs> it makes, it is. makes the, the, the female, the main female girl. Like it's very tragic, but, a tragedy can be good, but it's. I think it's made to be positive, but yet, odds. Let's spoil the So
4: spoiler alert: it's worthless tragedy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He kills Don Quixote. He kills the old man.
4: Yeah. Uh, by, by accident,
0: Yeah. So, yeah. But so take him back. Doesn't to-
4: make him any less dead.
0: No. And, and he dies thinking, knowing he's not Don Quixote. So it's it's pretty it's pretty sad. And then, uh, and he dies as this pathetic old man, really.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then somehow this makes him go, just nap and go mad, and now he thinks he's Don Quixote. Yep.
4: Yeah.
0: And so this woman who just gave up, even though she was like, uh, well, I guess she's a whore of this guy, but really she's just almost like his wife. I don't
4: get it. Yeah. Who knows? Just, yeah.
0: <laughs> but at least she's rich and and, like, God, she is. yeah, I'm not saying that's great, you shouldn't, you know, marry Sabine. <laughs> At least she's, like, living well. Right. At least she's in this, man. So she gives this all up to to be with this mad man who thinks he's <laughs> this old, and then he thinks she's uh, Sancho Panza, and, like, the last line is this weird reference that now he's gonna start fucking Sancho Panza. Yep. And, I'm like, so this is her life now? She's, like, she's with a, a cri- And who thinks he's this old man who's fucking a short, fat Mexican guy?
4: Yep. It all seemed like a big, like, masturbation fantasy for Terry Gilliam, maybe?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: That's, uh, you know, because the only parts of the movie that, like, any of the characters even have any kind of life all seem like they're stolen from other Gilliam movies. There's nothing like really new about any of the characters. And Mm -hmm. like like Neil said, the female characters are just horrible. Like one is just the worst person on the planet, and the other one is tragic and she sucks. Yeah. Uh And yeah, it's uh, it's a whole bunch of feel bad just piled on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah. The, I think the, the guy, I can't even think of his name now, the guy that's Don Quixote, he, he put in a really, really excellent performance.
0: Yeah, Jonathan P-
4: Price. Price, yeah, yep. Yeah. Who's always good. I mean, he, he was mm-hmm. great in Brazil, you yeah, know? Like,
0: yeah, yeah. It great. is a it is a great performance, honestly, which is too bad it's a great performance within a really bad movie.
4: Yeah, yep. Yeah, it, it was something that if, Even if we hadn't been looking forward to it for, like, years, I guess, Uh, it would have been, like, a huge disappointment. Even if I stumbled across it by accident and watched it, I would have been like, hmm, this movie sucks. But I think the fact that we were looking so forward to it made it even worse. Mm, I felt really kind of betrayed or cheated.
0: Yeah, I I felt bad, too. It's like, man, this guy makes stuff that I love. So, Honestly, Brazil is one of my... Probably my top ten movies. I love it. And I okay. love all, almost all this early stuff, and then uh, I, don't, I don't know if he'll ever make another
4: again,
0: unfortunately.
4: I don't think so. I think this one just kind of... Because if this was, like, his labor of love, this was something he, mm-hmm. he truly loved, and this is what he gave it. Yeah. Like, I hate
0: that- to say this because... Have you ever seen Tithe? Because Tithe Land is all about pedophilia. It's it. A- and it's very creepy. It's a creepy movie. I can't say it's it's not well-made, because it is. It's a well-made uh-huh. movie, but you feel dirty watching it. It's about this young girl and, like, this retarded older guy who's, like, trying to... who does almost have sex with... It's a very creepy film. Huh. And so I don't...
4: It's a Gillian...
0: Yeah, it's uh-huh. a Gillian... It's a Gillian... The, um... Because there's a lot of recurring themes in Gilliam movies: madness, uh, time travel, yep. um, your uh, uh, mortality, and then. So this is at least two movies I know of where there's some creepiness to young girls. So I don't, I, I don't know. It puts it puts <laughs> a weird spin on my love of Gilliam.
4: Yeah, and then I think because and usually it's cool when we see the movies with the. Um, from the fathom events, because they always have something attached to them. So this mm-hmm. one had kind of a making of, and they talked, you know, like um, the people involved in it and DeGelium and stuff. And I, I don't know, like it even put me off more because he had this smug attitude about it. And oh yeah, I like, don't was know why. Greatest.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, like, okay, so you're going to talk, you're not going to be like, I made this bullshit. But, like, <laughs> yes. the way he's saying it is just like, he's, like, just talking about, like, it's the the greatest thing that's ever been made.
4: Yeah. And-, and it just made me feel even worse about it. Then I was, like, I feel bamboozled. Yeah. So either that, either, you know, he was a shyster for making it and then trying to pass it off as, like, this great movie, or he's just, like, he's lost his mind and he thinks it is a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, besides the look of the movie and and um, uh, Price's performance, that was mm-hmm. all for that flick for me.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%.
4: So I got I went to see a pet cemetery, the new pet cemetery. Oh, so what was that like? But before that, let me just add one thing to the Shazam thing. Sure. Because I found sure. out when I looked it up and I found out what year it came out. It wasn't always a DC property. Uh, oh. It it was originally a, a faucet um, comic book. And then mm-hmm. DC tried to sue them for years because was well, Captain Marvel looked a lot like Superman, right. and it didn't become a DC property until the seventies, the early seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they sold it off or you know how it happened, but in nineteen seventy-two, DC uh, got the rights to to it. So it wasn't originally a. Um, a DC comic at all, and then mm-hmm. C T Beck, I think, sold it off to DC in seventy-two.
0: Hmm. Okay, interesting.
4: Not that that really has anything to do with anything, but just you know, yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh pet cemetery. Um, yeah. First of all, the original pet cemetery is one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. I think it's a great horror movie. It has um, this this amazing sense of dread throughout the whole. Film that it really encompasses everything. They seem, uh, you know, doomed. Mm-hmm. The yeah, I think all the performances are great. Uh, the little kid is Gage is amazing. Obviously, Fred Gwynn is is uh, as, as, um, uh, the old neighbor. Judd is is yep. awesome. I think the guy plays Lewis, which I've seen a lot of hate for now. The original, even just the original movie in general, for some reason people hate. I'm very
4: oh. confused by that. Me too, I love
0: uh, it. Yeah, so everybody in it is great. I think, and, uh, Pascal... Pascal you know,
4: makeup's is great. Like everybody's yeah.
0: makeup. Yeah, I, I really love everything about it. It uh, tells a great story. Yeah, uh, Gage is creepy when he comes back. As you know, mm-hmm. it's because it's you know an in innocent. It's a little baby who's yep. now uh, uh, you know evil being. So all that stuff works. So going into this, you know. I don't like to necessarily compare movies, but in a way you know you have
4: to, yeah, um, if it's based off the same you know source material,
0: yeah, so it I love the original it, I think it still holds up, that's another <laughs> one that's cool to hate now, I think it's great, love and it. I also love the new one,
4: yep, me too,
0: so I think um I don't even want to say I like one better than the other because I think they're different movies they they do a good job of of being different,
4: yeah. Yep, that's what I. One of the things I like the most about the the remake is the fact that they kind of, you know, not really went out of their way so so much that it's noticeable. But mm-hmm. but like you said, it's a completely different you know telling of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a basic same premise, but there's it's different. Um, there's things I think I think are be- better in the in the first one. There's things I think they do better in the second movie. The first movie, I think, uh, for me, the biggest plus is the um, when we're talking about Stephen King's it yep. is uh, the imagination part of the of the of the children, the kids. Um, yeah, that
4: that was kind of lost in the remake, right?
0: Yeah, that's not even part of the remake. I'm not really sure why. I don't know if they just think kids don't do that. I don't know. I think I don't know how you do the the big battle without mm-hmm. that because they have to they have to find that uh, wonder and stuff of being a child to mm-hmm. fight Pennywise. But I thought that was uh, I i actually did uh, like a lot of the bully stuff in this in the new one, but I didn't really like the demise of the main bully. Yep. So there was stuff and uh, the second one, even though I, I can't say I like Pennywise better. I did like that Pennywise is much more otherworldly. In oh, the- yeah.
4: Yep. Yeah, there's Does something that really there's capt- something great about the old one, but yeah, the mm-hmm. new one like is just so yeah, like you say, like not of this earth kind of kind of vibe from him.
0: Yeah, I think that c- captures the, the the book because it's in, in the first one and nothing against that because I think it's awesome. I think Pennywise is the, you know iconic character in the first one, but it's more like Pennywise is an evil clown in the first movie. And the second movie is it's more of a creature that is embodying the, the you know the, the image of a clown.
4: Right, right, yep, yep, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, Neil. That's I'm definitely agreeing.
0: Yeah, so I like both. I like both versions. So we're <laughs> going into the new pet cemetery. I don't. I'm gonna say I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's fine. I think if I never read the book or saw the first movie, I still would probably think. It's fine. I don't think I'd, I'd still love it because there's just some stuff in it that I don't think is that great. It doesn't have the sense of dread that the first movie has. Uh, Lithgow is Judd. I that's one thing I'll say I probably would have liked better if I had not seen the first movie because I think he he's good, he's good as Judd. It's right. just impossible, I think, to capture that performance for Fred Gwynn as Judd. Oh, but he yeah. still does a fine job. I do think Church is good. I think the cat is... uh, Maybe I'll I'll, I'll give that. I'll give this new movie the Church is better. I think uh, there's stuff with the cat that I like. Uh, I'm going to give some spoilers here. Is that okay? Sure, absolutely. So I do like... One of the things I do like about this new one is that Church is really the reason why, uh, in this movie... As you know from the trailer, Ellie dies instead of Gage. And, and so in in um in this one, Church is really the reason why she dies, which I think is done well, because it's mm-hmm. almost like, like you could see it as, as a different couple of different ways. Church is getting revenge on Lewis for trying to get for bringing him back for the first thing and, and trying mm-hmm. to get rid of him. Uh and oh, now okay. I'm take it, away it could even be like a trade off. Mm-hmm. You brought back, you brought back the, you know, a being. Now we're going to take a being, mm-hmm. or it could even be a setup. Okay, like, hey, now we're going to force you to do something else. But so I like that part. Uh, um, they really ruin the, themselves with the, the twist there in the trailer because they give it away that Ellie dies. So not only if you're should, familiar with the story, that. you already know. Yeah. So even if even, even if you, so, if you're familiar with the story, you already know there's a twist. But even if you're not familiar with that, it ruins a moment in the movie because it's set up that Gage is going to get run over. Right. But instead, Lewis saves Gage, and then the truck runs over Ellie. So if you didn't already know that in the trailer, even if you knew nothing of, this, of the book or the original movie, at least that would be this uh, something you're not expecting. But since you see it in the trailer, you know that's what's going to
4: happen. Right, right.
0: So I, I don't. I have no, I have no idea why that was given away in the trailer. It makes no sense.
4: No, that seems so, just what, silly to me to do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh Pascal is fine in this one, but he's definitely not as good as the, in the as in the first one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I just don't think the. Uh, it's. I mean, he's in it a lot. He, he's just. Uh, I don't think he's as likable. There's, there's a real likability. About Pascal in the uh, in the original movie,
4: yeah, he's even just such he's a dead. cool character. He's just like straight out of like a Shakespeare play or something, you know, being like <laughs> the Grateful Dead character, you know, like hey, right. you help me, I'm gonna, you know, try to help you, even though, you know, I'm dead. I'm just you know the spirit trying to give you some advice.
0: Yeah, and so well, so there's reference to the Wendigo in this one, which isn't in, in the, the first movie, but it's in the book. I don't think it's necessarily needed because right. in in the in the first movie they do bring up that it is you know Native American burial ground and stuff, right. and there's some type of evil force that's going on.
4: That's all. So you that's really a that's kind know, of pushing, you know. Yeah. yeah. So
0: it's not a negative yep. in this one, but it's you know it's not necessarily necessary. Um, I don't think any of the backstory stuff is nearly as cool. They don't have they don't tell like the story of. Uh, of the guy who comes back from the dead and uh Oh, they don't. No. Oh, no. they might be real basically. I think that something some happen but they don't but really they don't
4: show that. like a flashback kind of thing. No. no. Oh. And
0: yeah, then the char- the character who hangs herself's not in in this one at all. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm really f- sure why. Um so for me though, I was fine I was fine with the movie. I, I you know, I'd say I thought it was it was good. Not 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 great, nothing. I was like, oh, this is this is fine uh, until Ellie gets killed, and not just because Ellie gets killed, but when she comes back, not to—I hate to be mean to a uh, you know young actress, but uh, she's very poor, very very bad acting. Oh, really? And I think it's poorly written.
4: Yeah. It might be so noticeable now, Neil, because we were just talking the other week about how this pool of like young actors have been so good lately. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't. I don't even. I don't think I like how it's uh, portrayed. Even you know, even necessarily the acting part, but just how the character is written. Uh-huh. It, it, uh, now I know when they come back, it's like an you know that they're evil and stuff, but they're still the same person. Mm-hmm. This one in this movie, it's more like it's even said it's not her. It's, so it's almost like an evil spirit. Spirit has has come back in
4: her body oh so it's more like a I possession almost kind of thing yeah
0: which makes it seem very similar to modern uh, to a lot of modern horror movies that are yeah. about the same thing like Insidious or something. Mm-hmm. which I like in Insidious but I don't know it just makes it seem like okay we're just doing what I've seen in a lot of other modern horror movies
4: right right
0: and, and, uh, to get, uh, more, more spoilers here. So then in this one, Lewis doesn't bury his wife. This Allie is... buries the wife ah. to bring her back. And then, so I guess, so she has an evil mom. Okay.
4: And that's the uh, big so then, switcheroo thing.
0: Yeah, and then, and then, and then the other. So this is all spoiler, 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 and all the big, <laughs> the big twist. So then they kill Lewis and Barry Lewis, and so now they're the evil family. And then the end of the movie is like they're going to go kill Gage, and I was uh, like, this sucks.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's that kind of that kind of I think defeats the whole purpose of it
0: yeah it doesn't have have that zombie
4: type thing like you know or vampire bite somebody and they turn into
0: another like they're possessed you know like evil spirit and then they're burning their house down which I don't understand like I assume if you bring back everybody you're gonna what do they just wander around now
4: that's a good question yeah now you got no house Mm -hmm. well maybe they're gonna 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 be spread (laughs) like that
0: yeah Uh, this It'll be very politically incorrect statement, but the the child actor plays Gage seems on the spectrum. I'll say, oh, not not very good.
4: Ah, uh, so good. not like the the last one. The last one is he's just so great in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the Zelda they go more into some of the Zelda stuff, which uh, uh that's good in a way but at the same time like uh it's definitely not as creepy. Yeah. Zelda's not the Zelda original movie is honestly one of the, the, the scariest images.
4: Oh my god, yeah. That's just like just crazy crazy. That might be the scariest thing about the old one.
0: I agree. I, I think, actually I think scariest, it is. Scary.
4: Yeah. And um that one just sticks with you too. It's just one of those things. Um mm. Like, the the king things I always think about as far as imagery goes. Like, that from, um, you know, from that first movie, and then from, uh, oh, Salem's Lot, the little kid scratching at the window. Those, to me, are like the two spookiest images that just stay with Yeah,
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. So, uh, comparatively, to me, there's no comparison. The first one's much better. But even just that on its own movie's own merit, I still wouldn't have liked it that much because I saw so, I felt it had this similar feeling to movies that that a lot of movies that have come out lately with where it's got the, the possession stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems like well, just from what you had said, it sounds like they're trying to jump on kind of the bandwagon for that. Instead of, mm-hmm. you know, sticking with more like the yeah, you know, the original book. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It was weird. Cause I remember when it was coming out there, they were saying, you know, they were making this to make a more, um, one that's more faithful to the book, which I didn't understand. Cause the original movie is very faithful for, for, an adaptation. It's very faithful to the oh, book. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, this one is, this one isn't at all. Really. I mean, there's some things like they said, the Wendigo and there's a little bit of taunting to the, um, like, um, consider mom, I think it was really mom or <laughs> aunt for a little bit or something. So there's a little bit of stuff that's in that was in the book that wasn't in the first movie. But overall, you know, with the big twists and stuff, uh, it's not faithful to the book, which is fine if if it's something that, that works. But I didn't really think any of that worked.
4: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So I don't. I think it's worth watching if you want to see, you know, a horror movie, or whatever. Uh, I don't think it's terrible by any means. But I, I wouldn't say it's good either. So I say it's like it's it's alright.
4: Yeah. Just just that, uh Yeah. But not well, you know, it's kinda I, sad. You know. That kind of that kinda bums me out. Mm. Yeah, it
0: did me too. So there we go with uh I was like I well, I can't really say I was like a forward tube. I was like an, I guess I was in a way. I was hoping it would be good. Oh, another thing is I really didn't like, and I didn't like it in the trailer either, were, were the animal masks. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, what, what did that,
4: they kind of represent? So,
0: so the kids wear animal masks when they bury animals in the um, in the pet cemetery. Now, it's part of the legend, which I'm fine with if it's part of the legend and they used to do it back in the day. But the modern kids are doing it. And it just seems very unlikely that, yeah. that modern kids... would would make these elaborate,
4: you know,
0: handmade animal masks and like parade their dead dog to the pet cemetery.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking, yep. Yeah, I think I'd be calling bullshit on that one too.
0: Yeah, it does it, it does not seem likely at all. Hmm. So so oh apparently yeah three from Hell is gonna come out in September. wonder why well I guess it'd still be out in October then, but you think you'd just put out in October.
4: Yeah, that's what I would think.
0: Yeah, weird. So, uh, Sid Haig was our very first guest and our first—well, actually, our second without your head. Show. Our first show was uh, uh, was no guest, but our first guest on Without Your Head was uh, Sid Haig, and uh, he'll be coming back soon. Not in a traditional sense, like a guest here on the show, but there will be an interview with Sid Haig coming to Without Your Head.
4: Nice. Oh, very good.
0: So keep that in mind. He has his uh, producing debut with High on the Hog. So we're going to be talking to him about High on the Hog and why this was the movie he decided to produce. Wow, that's kind of cool, then. Yeah, and a more Sid Haig news, you can go see Sid Haig at the upcoming uh, Mad Monster Party, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And he will be in full costume as Captain Spalding. So, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, if you're gonna get a photo op, it's cool to get a, anyone you know get a photo with anybody, but it really is special if you're gonna get a photo op with with him as Captain Spaulding.
4: Oh yeah, agreed. That's that's just totally cool. Yeah.
0: And that's a mo- there's not too many modern icon of uh, horror icons. I don't think you no. have like. Um, I think the guy from jigsaw mm-hmm. uh the uh, ghost face ghost face from the scream oh yeah and, yeah uh, i would put captain spaulding in there
4: oh yeah agreed agreed
0: a lot of the other totally stuff great is, character you know rehash characters from uh, from previous era yeah like oh, my was jason so also i are going to see hellboy which apparently, which I don't put a lot of merit in this. <laughs> sweet, uh, rotten sweet, I mean, rotten tomatoes, but apparently it's doing, you know, because they always say guaranteed fresh. And it's got 100% on rotten tomatoes. Oh, This God, is yeah. like guaranteed rotten. It's got <laughs> 13% on
4: rotten tomatoes. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, that's not good.
0: No, it's not. But I, I, you know, I always I don't go by it when they say it's awesome. and It's got a hundred percent. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's bad just because it's thirteen percent. Who knows?
4: Right, right, yeah. You want to go some... in with that open mind, and yeah. see what's going on.
0: Might be some yeah trying to sabotage a movie. I don't know. Yeah, they all ate solo before it came out, and I loved it so.
4: That's oh, true. Yeah
0: don't think that'll happen, but who knows?
4: Might. I might yeah,
0: I might go over two this too. week. I don't know.
4: <laughs> but you, yeah, it might be that, or, you know, maybe you'll be surprised on one, or crazy, but how about both?
0: That's very true, very true. By the way, there's a movie open this week, and I don't think it's playing anywhere, where I can go see anyway. Unfortunately, it's called Rotten Tail. And it, it's an Easter horror movie about a giant killer rabbit.
4: It does look pretty awesome. I gotta watch yeah. It.
0: So hopefully it opens the place. I don't think it is, but if it, if it's playing where you go, see it.
4: Rotten mm. too. Yeah, I think I think that one looks like it. It might be a ton of fun. Yeah, and that's one you know, like uh, Easter probably needs its horror movie. I don't. I it don't know.
0: There is yeah. I don't, no, there's uh, someone will say yes, there is or whatever. But here you go. Now the uh, my I like the idea of this killer rabbit man. That's clear. yep. The other you know, idea always thought like you could have like a zombie Jesus movie, but that's going to offend a lot of people.
4: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Which yeah. I, I'm fine with. I like
4: uh, offending people, but you yeah. know,
0: other other folks out there don't want to offend everybody.
4: Yeah, they might. They might get a little little yeah. angry at that.
0: But you have to be a real goof to get offended by, you know, a killer, Peter Cotton, tale, Rotten. Tale.
4: You would think.
0: I'm sure there's people out there that are offended if you make fun of the uh, well, Probably make
4: fun, if of, fun of anything.
0: Right. Exactly. Conjuring threes in the works. Oh, is it?
4: Mm-hmm. All right. Any uh, thoughts on it?
0: I'm not a huge fan of the movies. Right. I mean, I'll go see it. Though. I don't know. It just just caught this is off from Arrow on the Head. The Conjuring Three will be massive. Massive. A, it will be ma- massive by Farmiga, who is directing it. Uh, Conjuring Three is coming, and it will be a doozy. It will be big. That sounds like Trump I uh, So for me Visiting these characters And Annabelle comes home I guess that's a sequel to Annabelle It's like practicing your scales And doing a few arpeggios Before having to dive deep into the next one What the fuck Because okay. the next one is massive
4: this, So massive's the word then,
0: huh? It is. Of course, any day to pal around with this guy and goof around on set is a good day for me. Talking about Patrick Wilson. And I do do love playing this character. I really do. I do. This is from Patrick Wilson. This is a woman. uh, Oh, no. Farmigo. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Farmigo, I guess, plays the woman in the movie. Uh, this is a woman who is living her potential, to be honest with you, in this climate of dissension and rancor and division. I love exhibiting their unity and their closeness and their togetherness. It's something special for me. Nice. Uh, the Warrens bring the Annabelle doll to a place where she can no longer wreak havoc, their artifacts room. Annabelle awakens the room's evil, which sets its sights on a new t- Target the Warren's 10 year old daughter Judy. The young girl, along with her teenage babysitter cousin and their cousin's friend,
4: square off against the evil.
0: Oh, that's and uh, Annabelle comes home.
4: All right. I, um, that one I can't say I'm really looking forward to.
0: Yeah. I think you're getting a little too many things here. Yeah. None too coming out. and then they're doing like a uh, the Crooked Man movie. Oh, they are. I did like the I I like the Crooked Man a lot, but it, he seemed out of place in that movie. It seemed like it was just kind of thrown in there for something cool.
4: Yeah, well, it's yeah, yep. I, yeah, I don't don't always understand there the nun- things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the nun. same way. It just seemed it's it was a very cool image. But yep. it was like, like, I don't see how it fits into the into the movie at all. It's just right. like, well, we, we need to spin it off.
4: <laughs> so throw that thing in there.
0: Yeah. I think that was, was probably the only really one of these that I really disliked. Most of them I'm just not a big fan of, but right. the none I really just dis- disliked as a movie.
4: Yeah, I, I did too. I didn't like it at all. It just really kind of bored me, I guess. Yeah. And I, I like, you know, like the look Story. of the character in uh you know in the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those I'm I don't think every every character needs their own movie.
0: I agree. I agree. I agree. So let's see here. What was I gonna say? Oh, American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Uh season nine has its uh what it's gonna be about. Okay. Um, so they're going to really, it's a really original idea that's not, not been done. Um, it's going to be ninth, uh, American Horror Story 1984.
4: So a- 1984, like the Orwell book, right?
0: No, it's going to be about slashers. And a whole, I assume, a whole bunch of 1980s nostalgia because God knows we've not
4: seen that. <laughs> you need some more. Um uh, okay. Like
0: get as many eighties posters as you can, get some eighties horror t shirts.
4: Oh uh,
0: huh. You know, I was I was five in the eighties and all these posters with all these you know cult horror movies, they weren't readily available. So no, I don't know how work. all these kids had so many
4: but every kid in in all of these things, well, it's kind of like, you know, and I I really dig the show and stuff, but the... uh, I
2: do.
0: I I like to make fun of it in a way, but I do like the show, Stranger Things. But there is stuff in it that does kind of make me like... Oh, God.
4: Yeah, because I I definitely would have owned a, uh, you know, like the Dungeons and Dragons posters that the kids have on their walls.
0: Right.
4: Right, right. All um, John Carpenter's a thing. Yeah, if you could really get them anywhere, which I don't think I've ever seen. Right,
0: an exact re- replica, you know, costumes of the Ghostbusters.
4: Yeah, like
0: you know, like like authentic movie versions of. Like, oh Mouse. yeah.
4: I don't know, where the hell you got them?
0: or man? You're really talented to make that.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, maybe you know, mom was a professional costume designer or something.
0: Yeah. So I know maybe some people would be saying it's nitpicking, but it is a little bit much.
4: Oh yeah. I mean I I I jest because I really do like the show, so I do There's
0: there's and sometimes 80 like nostalgia just gets to on my nerves. Oh
4: yeah. that's understandable. It's
0: and then it even much.
4: carries over and then you get mad at nineties nostalgia. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I think it could be done a way that actually fits the movie, and it doesn't seem like they're just doing it. Like I actually think um, *Summer of '84* does a good job on it. Doesn't seem like they're killing you with the '80s nostalgia. I don't read feel it in it that they're killing you with nostalgia. Right. I do think it's over the top. It's *Stranger Things*, you know, I like it, and, and *Captain Marvel*. I thought it was very obvious that they're just like throwing as much '90s like references as possible at you. Not necessarily like weaved into the story. It just seemed like nineties, nineties, nineties,
4: nineties. See, because it's funny because I didn't get that as much in that because like I, it I, it just seemed like more natural to me in that. But I think I'm in in the uh, minority on that because I've heard that from from a lot of people.
0: Yeah, maybe it's because like I was in high school in the nineties. So it it's could just, be. Like, Maybe that's, that's why I have like that. Everything
4: that Every instant band, like possibly. anger at, at, when I see the, uh, um, the 80s yeah the 80s things
0: yeah because I that, hated that, see, like, that the fashions been
4: and been. the music and everything from the 80s so like they yeah. annoy me now
0: <laughs> I watched some of the dirt everyone was loving that uh, it was pretty good when I saw it honestly I don't was know that? how true it is or whatever but uh, that doesn't really bother me but I will say like there's some scenes of Ozzy Osbourne and uh, yeah. I if you, if if people watch it and think that makes Ozzy Osbourne look awesome, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. So, <laughs> so I've heard the story before. Where he like snorts like a line of ants. It's like oh yeah,
4: you know. I did hear that. So too. So,
0: the, so they show that. So whatever. Uh, I watch and I'm like, well, oh, it's at least it made me laugh. I, yeah. I'm not gonna say that's awesome or whatever (laughs) but then then he he pisses he just starts pissing everywhere and i've heard you know he did that a lot too so i'm like what okay okay whatever i'm fine with public urination but then he just (laughs) jumps down on the ground starts lapping up his own piss off the off the ground and i'm like like, oh
4: and why did he do this it'd
0: be crazy i guess and then so I don't know which one of I don't know a lot about Motley Crew. One of the Motley Crew guys, Nikki Six, maybe. So he's like, oh, I'll show you. I'll do the same." So he starts pissing all over the place, and then before he can jump down and lap it up, Ozzy pushes him out of the way and jumps down and laps up his piss. The other guy says, uh. "I'm just like, Wow, oh, Ozzy's just a disgusting you know pig." <laughs> like, I don't, yeah,
4: that's I don't, that's pretty it's not gross. Cool.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's cool. If yeah, That's cool to anybody else. Huh?
4: From, from like a like I don't know, like an escaped insane Faith uh, <laughs> or something.
0: Right, right, yeah. Like an idiot, like a a circus yeah, teacher, idiot. idiot.
4: Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: So uh, yeah, huh. so uh, I don't know. There, I mean, there's a line. There's a lot of blowjob jobs in the movie. <laughs>
4: Yeah, but that's that's a little different than like licking up somebody. Yeah, yeah.
5: So yeah, else's yeah. urine
4: is,
0: that's, that's right. Pretty foul. Yeah, they're getting a lot of blowjobs. saying, so. which is probably very uh, real to the to the time and yeah. you know and groupies and stuff. It yeah. seemed a little cheesy, but uh, the more I watch, I think I think I kind of enjoyed the cheesiness of it.
4: Yeah, but I think those times with those bands were probably cheesy times too. Yeah,
0: that's true. I think I dug it. i will have to watch the rest of it. I dug what I saw. And I'm not even a big Motley Crue fan or nothing. I don't think I can even name a Motley Crue song.
4: I I actually hate Motley Crue, and I, I don't know. I'm I might watch. I might not.
0: Probably. I don't think you need to like them. It's just it's just kind of a fun movie of the time.
4: Oh, okay. All right, maybe I'll check her out then.
0: It, it's a big thing now—biopics uh, of '80s musicians.
4: Yeah, I guess so, and '70s.
0: Yeah. Oh, John one's coming out.
4: Yeah.
0: I hope that's good. Looks, it looks some I've seen ads where I don't think it looks good, and there's ads I think it looks good. So we'll see.
4: Yeah, I don't know. You know, I I, I wanna I wanna have like good thoughts about it mm-hmm. but the the trailer i haven't seen like more than the one trailer and the one trailer i saw looked a little bit a little bit goofy
0: yeah yeah the first trailer i saw that was like the teaser that was out like late last year everyone's floating he's floating in yeah. the air and like the floating in the air and they said it's based off a, a real fantasy and i was like Yeah, oh, this looks awful <laughs> like, yeah,
4: kind of silly yeah
0: Uh, And then all the trailers since then, I think people didn't really care for that. All the trailers since then make it seem like a legit biopic. So I don't know. Hopefully it is, and that's just some, you know, scene of him on drugs and thinking they're floating. I have no idea, but I hope it's not some weird fantasy fantasy movie where people are flying.
4: Yeah, then I'm going to have a tougher time with it because I I really loved uh, the Freddie Mercury one. I did too. But I don't know why there's so much hate for it. No, just because people—it's cool to hate things, and yeah.
0: And I don't get why. So, so maybe there's some stuff that's not um, accurate in this in the timeline. Because uh, I've seen people bitch about about this, but I've never seen any biopic about anybody in history that gets so much scrutiny about that. Like I'm pretty sure every movie ever made about a real person has some inaccuracies in it to make it more oh, yeah. dramatic
4: you got to take some liberties you know to make yeah, if nothing yeah. else just a person a little more interesting i would assume
0: right right And you can't show someone's entire life in 90 minutes
4: right I mean, right unless you had a pretty yeah, dull you, life
0: right you, you can't make like we're going to make you know this movie that's you know 3 years long or something i mean it's not, uh,
4: yeah yeah, and if you have a We're gonna pretty make interesting person, them. yeah, you're going to have like a 12-hour movie about them. Right,
0: right. So, I, I don't know. I really like it. Liked so, just, I'm them. hoping
4: it's more like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I, I so, just, I don't know. Maybe Maybe it's just my nature to worry a little bit about things. And I'm just a little worried about this one.
0: So if they're going to, if they came to you, terrible Troy, like terrible Troy, we, we want to make a biopic of a musician that's not been out yet and we want you to pick it. Who would it be? Hmm.
4: Um, I think,
0: uh, Eddie Cantor,
4: I think Eddie Cantor would be pretty interesting. I I'd say, um, Keith moon,
0: Keith moon. All yeah. Right.
4: Cause moon, did moon not live a, very long.
0: Mm-hmm. That's and, true, true. Uh, so it's the, it's the ultimate rock and roll story.
4: Yeah, right, right. And uh you know, he didn't he was still he was still at his A game when he died, you know, it's more like Hendrix than uh you know, mm-hmm. than like Morrison or somebody. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's him or, or, or if it's a living person, probably Jagger.
0: Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know who. How about I, you? I'm what do you
4: think? think? Pick one mm. dead and one living.
0: All right, living. I want to see the right said Fred story.
4: Uh, that'd be pretty rocking.
0: Mm. And dead. Let's see here. Some dead guy. Uh, well, we could do the Millie Vanilli story.
4: All right, there you go. One of dead. Yeah.
0: You think? It'd just be Millie. Millie the.
4: All right, the Mickey. Millie story. Yeah. There is, there might I'm be not a sure behind what the saying. music been, on VH1 or something.
5: Right. Well, and something, then they something. could say how they,
4: they were better than The Who when they opened for them and stuff. Right, right. Like every <laughs> yeah, band just, that was ever on that show. Uh, uh, like, that's yeah, why. out of the water. and like, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. That's like when reading Chris Jericho's second book, uh, The Wrestler, people out there know he is. So he has a band. Ozzy, which literally started as a comedy band like ozzy but they're called foz yeah it was and fozzy so
4: osbourne right and then right. they, they so got sued or something
0: yeah so they're talking he's talking like you know he's opening for like actual ozzy osbourne and all these huge bands and like and everything's like we blew him out of the water i'm like come <laughs> on
4: dude <laughs> yeah they always do Like, no matter what band it was on there, and it's like... And The Who, always known as one of, like, the best live bands and stuff. (laughs) Every one of these bands, like, you know, uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic, you know, was opening for The Who and destroyed them. He just blew them out of the water. Uh, They
0: didn't
4: mm -hmm. want to come on stage afterwards.
0: Right. Because if you've ever been to a concert, you, you always know that happens all the time. No matter how good the opening act is, usually people will... If you're really good, they won't boo you. <laughs> but usually they just boo you because they're waiting for the for the people they want to see come out.
4: Yep, yep, that's true. It's like, yeah, you guys are fine, but get the hell on.
0: Even if you, te- even if you actually did blow them out of the water, like let's say you perform better, because I won't say that's never happened. I'm sure there's been... Bands that not someone who's known for like a, a, amazing performances, but right. I'm sure there's bands that go out there and, ha- and have half-assed it or been drugged out of their mind, whatever. And the opening uh, performance technically were way better. They had more passion. They put on a better performance. But I highly doubt. I'm sure there's there's times I've been wrong. I'll be wrong here, but I would say 99 of the time. The crowd reaction was not stronger for the opening band, unless they just oh, came, no. came out and were like the you know when the doors would just be <laughs> so drunk and out of his mind and just was flopping around the ring uh, around the stage or something. But.
4: Yep. Well, I, I've actually seen that happen. Like not your second part, but where mm-hmm. the opening act actually did perform better because I, I saw it once with with Aerosmith, and I think. It was a night that Tyler was either doped up or something was up with him because he couldn't even remember the words to all the songs. And Mm -hmm. still the people cheered them and went crazy and everybody was happy. And, you know, I can't remember the opening act, but they they were actually better that night. But Mm -hmm. it still didn't change facts. And facts were that, you know, everybody went crazy for Aerosmith even though they weren't mm. really up to par that night.
0: Yeah. So it's a little ways off, but we're going to have some guests on uh, throughout the year to talk about. We're going to have some giveaways. Um, stuff. South Texas Underground Film Festival. Uh, we will be at Jason and I, maybe Troy if we can get him up to Texas. Yep. And it's going to be a great, great time. We're looking forward to this. The, the Texas Riviera uh, the air is pretty sweet. I believe the Alamo is nearby. Mexico is nearby. And uh, and the film festival itself. Uh, I'm a big fan of the film, uh, film festivals. And I'm really looking forward to
4: this. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good time. Good, 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 well, good
0: time. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Yes, yes. So anything else, Mr. Jones, before we uh, head off out into the yonder?
4: I... I can't think of anything. I was trying to think if there were any trailers I've seen recently or heard about any like interesting things, but nothing's really coming to mind.
0: Well, next week here on the show, we will have Br- Brad Greenquist who is Victor Pascal in the original Pet Cemetery.
4: Totally awesome. That I'm so looking forward to, that is just great. I, I can't wait to to talk to him.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm It's been he's uh, been in a lot of movies and T V shows. So we'll talk about the man's career. Uh we'll talk about pet cemetery, talk about what he's up to now. It'll mm-hmm. be uh it'll be good stuff.
4: Oh, that's awesome. That that's just great. Glad to hear that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love the movie. Yeah, looking forward to it. Check yep. out the website. There's some other people uh, scheduled, and uh, they'll pop up when I have the, the dates, you know.
4: Uh, when they're all confirmed and stuff. Exactly. Very exactly.
0: nice. Exactly. He's been a lot of stuff. He's also in Ali, the Will Smith movie about Muhammad Ali and the Lone oh, Ranger.
4: Nice. Oh, no kidding. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that because I'm glad, to, you know, his career continued.
0: Yeah, 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 very cool. He's got a lot of stuff coming out uh, recently. He's in the house, a Hulu Halloween anthology TV miniseries that came out a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. He's in Annabelle Creation. Oh, no kidding. See, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, man. It's in a lot of TV shows like Bones, and NCIS. Oh, nice. Hmm. Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, good.
4: Dang. I actually saw some of those.
0: Yeah, he's in all kinds of shit. Pretty sweet. Star Trek yep. Deep Space Nine.
4: The Conan TV show. Oh, really? I watched even a couple of those. So, Alright, awesome.
0: Yeah, pretty, pretty sweet. Alright, it's going to be good times.
4: <coughs> I agree.
0: Big thanks to our... Music of the month, Sophia Cassiola and Michael Epstein.
4: Yes, absolutely. Great stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Good times. Until next week, this is the Nasty Meal.
4: And this is Terrible Troy.
0: And this is without your head.
4: <laughs>
2: hey! Ha ha
6: ha 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 Ha